And we're back again, folks. It is Out of the Rough Golf Podcast. Bum, bum, bum. Just kidding. That was stupid. Anyways, um, we've got another Out of the Rough Golf Podcast for you, as I stated. Um, this one is a open championship recap. What a week we had. Um, maybe not the results. Most of probably the golf world was hoping for, but uh, a deserved winner in my books. The course shot shown through even when it was mild wind conditions. Um, St. Andrews is an absolute pleasure. But yeah, we're going to be breaking down what all went down at the uh, 150th Open at St. Andrews Links and the home of golf. Um, anyone want to get this thing going with any thoughts? Um, I know Kid was uh, heavily in the Rory McIlroy camp for this uh, Open Championship, as was a lot of the golf culture and people in general. <laughs> but man, it it feels so wrong to just start with Rory lost and not give Cam any love. I mean, I'm I was just kind of ceding the floor to you guys with with what you want to talk about. We can jump right into Cam if we want to, but uh, I think that you know the big story of this Open Championship, as much as people might want to might not want to say, is uh, Rory McIlroy uh, blowing not, it, not getting it done. I wouldn't necessarily say he blew it. I, um, I think he played a a fine round of golf on Sunday. It just wasn't exactly what he needed to do. He didn't put you know the pedal down in certain places he needed to. Um, he didn't have a lot of putts fall. Um, I think there's a lot that goes into that. We can break down a little more, but uh, I don't necessarily think he blew it by any means. No, I think he, when, know, when I say, when I say and, blew it, I don't, I don't mean in the sense that he played bad golf. Cause I mean, to just about any standards in the world, he played great golf. Um, I, I think, I think it solely came down to his putting personally, but um, I mean, apparently tiger said someone asked him, I don't know who I wish I did so I could give him credit, but apparently asked him what he would have to do on Sunday to get it done. You know, if he was in Rory's shoes and he pretty much said, avoid all the bunkers at all costs, um, take advantage of the drivable par fours and, you know, try to get to 19 under. And that's essentially what Rory did. And it just wasn't enough to a, a, a you know, steaming hot Cam Smith that was just rolling them in all over the place. And sometimes when you shoot two 64s in a major championship, that a lot of the time will get it done. And it, you know, prevailed this week as well. So that it I, did. I, with, with that, my, my, my point with that is that, you know, you have debatably one of the best golf, golfers of all time. He is the best golfer of all time in most people's eyes um 15 major championships and you know rory did exactly what you know tiger would have done out there so um he played a pretty good you know better than good round i think you know in 95 percent of the circumstances at major championships that would have been enough to get it done but it just this one time wasn't enough yeah i think i think it all boils down to his putter he just couldn't get it rolling i mean he he had birdie opportunity after birdie opportunity. And I mean, they were within an inch to two inches half the time, but um, you know, uh, it golf's a game of inches. And if you can't get it in that small little cup, 
when you need to. I mean, it's just that's just what it boils down to. I mean, he literally played tremendous golf, but every birdie that he needed to sink did not happen. And you know, when you only have two birdies on your on your final round, and you've got guys that are putting in 64s on their final round, I mean, you know, that's that's how the cookie's gonna crumble. Yeah, well, oh. I felt like watching. Sorry, go ahead, kid. Uh, it was me, but uh, I, oh. I, I think what you said is right, Clint. He did have a lot of birdie opportunities, and a lot of them, you know, were near makes. But I think what the difference was was that he just wasn't as close as Cam Smith was on a lot of his approach shots, and he had a lot of you know longer distance birdies putts that you know you know, those are just less likely to go in and yeah, he was making good putts by all means. He was putting great putts on the ball, but it just was far enough away to where, you know, you're just playing those percentages and they just didn't roll in for him. And uh, maybe if he was, like I said, putting a little bit more gas pedal down, he would have been a little more aggressive and not maybe sticking to that same game plan that I mentioned that tiger had mentioned and that he, seem to be going by um especially in the back nine when it had to become obvious that cam was running them down you know you would think rory being rory and maybe that's just the different rory is now he, back in the day he definitely would have put the pedal down and you know tried to you know start matching cam with some birdies or at least try to get a little closer to some of these pins i know they're in tough difficult places but you know it's That's kind of exactly what I was going to say is I, I couldn't be sure. It seemed like he had a couple opportunities where he had wedge or short iron in his hand and he didn't put it that close. And I'm sure part of it is obviously these pins are in tricky situations um, or tricky spots where if you missed, you're screwed. Um, so I don't know if he was playing it safe or he's obviously been kind of notorious for struggling with the the hundred to 150 yard shot. If maybe he just didn't have it dialed. Cause yeah, he had all the birdie looks. Um, but I think three was the only one that was like inside 10 feet that he missed that he probably really wanted back. Uh, yeah, I mean, 17 too. Didn't he, didn't he just leave it like, I mean, an inch away on 17 as well. Yeah, but I'm saying he didn't have a close look. On three, he was putting from close. Oh, uh, uh, I see what you're saying. He, he didn't have any putts inside of 20 feet, 15, 20 feet, it seemed like, for birdie. I'm with you. <clears throat> yeah. Dave, you've, um, you've, you've been awful quiet. quiet uh, I was going to say, what's going on I, here? I think he, he's waiting to let everyone talk and get their spiel out until he can, you know, take the floor and give – give his two cents it sounds like well i mean <clears throat> it's just like if i once i get started on rory it's gonna i'm gonna be talking about it for like 25 30 minutes and i would rather just give cam a little bit of oxygen before i just completely make this a rory pod it it will be remembered as the one that rory didn't win not the one that cam won that that's in the same way that we think about 2016 as the one that spieth lost and Danny Willett came out on top. That being said, like Spieth collapsed, Rory didn't collapse. But for me, it's equally as heartbreaking. Like I feel just as bad about this one, if not more than I did about 2016. Like it's a gut punch for me. Like I, my favorite golfer at my favorite venue 
you know, playing in the 150th open, likely his last, you know, shot at it when, you know, he's truly, truly competitive at this on a high level. And then to think that he lost his bet, he didn't even get his best chance at the open because he was injured in 2015 when he would have been like one of the biggest favorites going into that and his game was suited for it. Um, so yeah, it just, it felt like it was the chance. It felt like it was the romantic winner. I mean, you had Tiger like ostensibly passing the torch on his way off of the course on Friday as Roy was going on. And like, you have this guy who's like put the entire PGA tour on his back the last eight months, like trying to like be the spotlight and like just doing it there, like unifying it to a degree would have been amazing. Like it, it, it just didn't happen. Well, and you could see it, you could see it in his interview and his post round interview. I mean, he, he was beyond gutted, you know, he, he knew that he let it slip and he knew that that was a major opportunity for him. And he, and, you know, I mean, he, he was very, very, very professional in that interview. Um, And I mean, you know, spoke like a, a true champion golfer in the, in that post round interview. But I mean, he was fucking gut wrenched and it was, it was, it was honestly, it was hard to watch because, because I, I mean, he really, he really truly probably should have won that round should have won that the the whole thing, you know, I mean, it was, it was rough. I, I, I mean, I get your sentiment, but should have like, he could have like, he should have gone and, pressed the pressure a little more and done what he had to do on the back nine. He was in full position to do that start of the day and he just played it a little too safe. And that's what I think, you know, like I said, it was a fine round, a lot of more, more often than not, that probably would have gotten it done. But when you know that there's someone on a hot streak, that's literally a group in front of him, like he's watching it happen and hearing and he, it and, and hearing he doesn't, it, yeah. he doesn't go and get it especially when he gets tied up with them and then cam passes them. He just continues to stick to the game plan. And I don't know if that was intentional or what that was. He just let him, he let him drive past him. He let him, you know, wave on his way by and he didn't go and chase him. Well, I mean, and and I'm with you there when I, when I say that, you know, should have, he could have, but didn't obviously. I mean, that's, that's very apparent by the outcome, but I mean, there was, there was some things that were, that were a little weird. Um, you know, I mean, just adrenaline pumping. I, I just didn't think there was any way in hell that he wasn't going to get it to the green on 18. I didn't think it was possible that he, he was a, not he going to bounce. He, the line that he took required more carry a little bit more and it was into the wind. Cam he took to on the, the right. line that was going right for the hole. Which and is. when you go out to the right, you get more of a kick forward and it probably got ate by the wind a little bit and it gets a dead bounce. And then you're stuck with an impossible chip that you have to hold. And he was trying to hold it. So, I mean, it's just unfortunately the way that it if you look back the on the group after it shifted, if you look back on the group before him, Cameron Young drove the green and, and he drove it a little more right than Rory did. And it ended up getting up there. Yeah. It swooped out left. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things where he got a really lucky bounce and then the slope carried it to the left. Like if it was, you know, two yards further or one yard short, it would have either been in the Valley at center would have been way long left. So, you know, he got an awesome break and that's, you know, great for him. And he sunk the Eagle putt, which was cool too, forcing Cam to 
make it to not going to a playoff. But yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing is like, I would have been really curious to see how this day would have played out if Cam was in the last group with Rory. Because for the front nine, Rory's focus was on Victor. Is basically playing match play with Victor like the majority of the time. And then they were taking so long because of their fucking match play that once Cam and both Cam started burning a lot, their pace of play was way faster. They weren't even in sight after a while. They couldn't even see them. Like, so the idea is like, okay, Cam, the, the gettable holes before the wind shifted would have been earlier in the round. And then Cam goes out and starts birding some fucking hard holes and draining some long putts. And all of a sudden, like your opportunities go from being like, you know, five holes that you can birdie to being like, you have two holes that you can birdie. And then all of a sudden he, the, the biggest thing that cost him was his chip on 16 that didn't get close enough. That, that was his last opportunity. And then he makes a heroic effort on 17 on the road hole, the best shot into the road hole that we saw on, on the broadcast and his story yeah. of the day, he just didn't make any putts and he gave yeah. all of them really good roles. Like yeah, he sure. had a bunch of edges. He got a bunch of lip outs and Cam wasn't really hitting it that much closer. He was just making it from fucking everywhere. everywhere. Like yeah. the putts that weren't dropping yesterday started dropping today. He was well, hitting it a good bit Sunday. closer. Well, and yeah, I'm yesterday, yesterday Cam couldn't, couldn't putt to save his life. I mean, I say that sparingly, he, he had 35 putts on Saturday, but you know, I mean, he was not super on, obviously. I, what did he, I, don't, I don't remember he shot 73. Did he shoot one over yesterday? Or, or I mean, uh, on Saturday. Two. But on, on Sunday, he could not miss. It was insane. I mean, it was absolutely mind-blowing. And, I mean, you know, 17 was, was the real test for him where he found himself in a super shitty position, had to putt. Uh, around that bunker and give himself an opportunity and he put it 10 feet away from the hole and and sunk that par yeah, he to doesn't make solidify that, they go to a playoff 100 yeah. percent easy birdie in 18 they go to a playoff all three of them and it, it could possibly be a different story yeah with that being yeah. said cam smith did lead the field in strokes gain putting for the tournament and the one bad round he had putting um he was minus 1.6 or 1.65. So with that 1.65, which is he, massive, he still for the tournament was plus 2.82. And that goes led to show the field. How lights out he was putting those other three days. Yeah, especially, for sure. Especially yesterday. The so, fourth round, he was plus 2.9 for the, the round. Three strokes, three strokes on the day from on the greens. That's fucking insane. And yeah, Unreal. I think. I think either way, people are going to kind of criticize Rory with this in the sense that like, well, he wasn't aggressive enough. The, the young Rory would have been more aggressive. And it's like, he gets super aggressive and he forces the issue and he lets it slip away. Oh, he was too aggressive. He couldn't get it. Like I'm, he should have played back and been more conservative. It's like the young Rory may not have went been... out. He lost because a guy went back in at 30, like the lowest closing nine hole stretch in major championship history. I mean, come the, on. The young Rory may not have been able to get into the position Rory was in, in this tournament. You know, like Rory got in the position he is he he was in because of the way he played the whole tournament. And my my criticism from earlier is that when he knew the pressure was on and he needed to do a little more aggressive play, he just didn't do that. And but he did. You can say, he, did. he had he had three holes to do it on, and he took driver to get. That's super just close not true. There's leaderboards he... out there. Like at the beginning of the front nine, Cam is in front of him. I know they're playing faster, but like when he's on a even when he's on three birdie street uh, like 10 11 12 when cam birdies all those especially the birdie at 11 
when you see that happen, like you have to fucking do something. Like, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that excuse kid of like, I said he had three holes where he could have done it. And he tried on those three and he didn't get close enough. I was, it wasn't like he had nine shots at holes to birdie it. Like I also think there were some, some errors in his gameplay. Like that cam cam laid back like six iron, six iron on what is it? 16. He like hit an iron off the tee, laid way back and had like 190 in or like 200 in. Yeah. And he ended up 16. hitting it to yeah. the front of the green and it rolling close to the, the, the hole or relatively close to the hole. And Rory hit driver way up there all by all means a great drive, but then hit it over the green. So it's just it, two different ways. He didn't hit it over the green. Oh, he, he hit, hit, hit it far out to the right. Like he hit a bad, he hit a bad 60 yard wedge. Like I, if you, if you gave Cam and Rory their two tee shots in that hole, they would both take Rory's like, he just hit a really bad lob wedge from 60 yards. Like he just didn't, he executed the tee shot pretty phenomenally. I think Cam yeah. laid up the way he did for a reason. And I think it is because of well, the, the way he wanted to approach the hole. That's just what I think. I, I just don't think he had, I mean, like, I don't think he had the ability to get it to where Cam Young and, and Rory can get that. I mean, his, his driver just can't get to that position. I, I mean, he can drive the ball well, but I mean, there was time and time again that, uh, Cam Young was 50 to 80 yards ahead of him on drives. And I, I mean, mean I, I think a lot of that kind of plays on some of those holes to their disadvantage, being that close and having to do those touchy shots up by the green. Well, and that's where that could come into, like, that could come into tactics, right? I mean, if if Cam just outright knows that he's – lights out from uh, 190 yards or, or 170 or 150 you know and and he's he's hitting those drives conservatively because of that then you know that that'll go to show why he did what he did on Sunday but at the same time um I I just think that he doesn't he doesn't have the power to put it where a lot of those guys did I, I'm not I arguing give, that I think you give Rory 10 balls in that same exact spot that first one he hit is the furthest one that's away it just, it just fucking. Sucked. Yeah. It was a bad wedge. It was a bad wedge, and Rory struggles with that. Um, and he, I think he had a couple where it was like, you know, again, if he did it over, he probably puts ten feet and makes the putt. Um, but in the situation, he left himself twenty five feet, and it's hard to make twenty five footers. And he put really good rolls on them, but but he, he was approximated the whole. Footers the first three days, like the, I know some might say that's unsustainable. In- Look at Cam. Cam was draining them from all over the place the entire fucking weekend. But Cam is known for his good putting. Rory is not known for great putting. The the point is, is that putts were being dropped from all over the place the entire week. And like Rory did it for three days. Who's to say he couldn't do it for the fourth day? It just didn't go his way on Sunday. And it it sucks. Like the biggest mistake was missing the short one on three. Like that one was brutal. Putting it super long on one, which should have been a gettable hole. But once again, he's match play with Hawk. Match play. All he's thinking about is that, like, we're just. Well, maybe that's a flawed mentality. You're not playing match play. You're playing a tournament against the well, entire field. I, I think that I think that that was probably the biggest situation was that whether it was his caddy or somebody should have chirped him and said, "Hey, dude, fucking Cam Smith." is on a roll he's on a heater he he and was. you need that to turn you need to turn nine. it on he yeah, five and yeah. On the back nine 
either well, way, I, the first four way. holes from uh, the first four holes from Hovland and Rory, they were both trying to make birdie putts the whole time. So this whole facade of like the match play thing, they were both trying to make birdies. That's exactly what they were trying to do. Like, I mean, they, it, both, it's they not, both put it. Rory put it 40 yards long on one to stay away from. And that's burn. a mistake. Like yeah, Hovland was Hovland was in tight on number one and missed not a really. he pretty early. Like, he was like he was like 30 yards left or 30 feet left. Can, no, it was not. It was like maybe 10 feet, 12 feet tops. And it was considerably shorter than Rory. So I don't no, buy the like he was he went long. I, my that's okay. My point is that Rory was trying to make birdies out there. Hovland suck it closer on one. They were playing neck and neck for the first four or five holes. Okay, like, but can we can we just throw out there real quick? In what world are these guys not trying to make birdies? Like obviously they're trying to make birdies. Some of those okay, kids out there are you you're you're if you're playing conservatively conservatively like Rory was his game plan, it seemed to be. Some of those pins are par holes. Like you're not going for birdie. There's a difference between making a birdie and aggressively like forcing the issue. Like there's, Hey, I'm going to leave myself a 30 foot putt. If it goes in great versus I'm going to put this to eight feet. And if I put too much spin on it, it's coming back past the hole and rolling in the Creek on one. Okay. And I mean, that's I can, the difference. I can level with, I can level with that, that side of it for sure. I mean, I, Yeah. So I'm with, you. I, I'm with you. I think it's foolish. He was definitely playing match play. Um, and I think that one on three. Why? That what just makes took a lot of think gas that? Like, I don't get this match play thing. Like, why would your mentality you be in it's match between, play? between the two of them? Data golf had them at an 88% chance of winning. Like had a four shot lead until like six, right? Well, I mean, like, essentially, they're, it, for, they're for the, the top two the guys. So, sure I mean, like, just worry about yeah. the guy that you're tied with at the top of the lead with a four shot lead. 100% beating that guy. Uh, sure. I mean, I think that's fucking a really flawed mentality if you're Rory McElroy, but, you know, well, I, it, it doesn't turn flawed until, until Cam turns it on. Right. And, and if he can't change pace and say, okay, I need to stop worrying about Victor. I need to start worrying about Cam, you know, then that's where, that's where it can become flawed. Like in the beginning, in the first nine holes, that is the mentality that he needed. But obviously that didn't Cam had two birdies on the front nine. No, I know, but that still, still only put like him within two back, shots back. Still like four back at that point. Cause we had two birdies in the front, didn't he? No, he had one on the front, uh, one, one on, on the, the back. back. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think that the whole thing, when it comes to what we're talking about with this match play mentality is at that golf course, the worst thing you can do is put yourself in a bad spot and make a six. And it's really, really easy to do out there. So I think there's probably a little bit of being overcautious of, I just can't fuck this up and I'm going to make sure, and I'm going to avoid all of the nightmares and I'm not going to make a six. And when you play that way, it's, it's hard to make birdies. I mean, let's think of historical context too, right? Like Rory has thrown away a lead at a major championship with a similar margin at the Masters and it devastated him. He didn't want to make that same mistake. And then he has the burden of like, this completely changes everything if he loses this again. And then Cam has nothing to lose other than to just chase and pin his ear back. Nobody's going to remember Cam Smith blowing up and shooting a 74 at the old course on Sunday, just trying to win it. Like, right. 
There's... Yeah, but you can take that narrative for literally every major championship with the guy well, in the you, lead. Do you, like, do you mean 64? You're saying that that no. this... No, he's saying, kid's saying, like, if if Cam Smith went out Sunday and shot a 74-75 and blew it, no one would remember that. But they're going to remember Rory if he shoots a bad score on Sunday at the 150th Open Championship, yeah, yeah, which I'm is a fine to say, but, like, that would be anybody having the lead on a major championship. But not like, someone who has, had, like did it the exact same thing at augusta like that's all well, that's all on about. him and all on his playing like he needs to overcome those demons and do it and he didn't do I, what I it had to a be done decision on the front nine from rory i think he played completely normal like smart golf on the front nine and then that's it fine. was just how do you how do you handle when cam birdies five in a row and you're just you're one hole behind him and he only crosses you on like what like the 13th so you have once again three birdie holes left. Three well, holes regardless, he knew he was coming. There was a birdie on 10, a birdie on 11, which is huge. A birdie on 12, 13, like he he knew he was coming, he knew he was hot. If anyone has a hot putter, Cam Smith with a hot putter, you have to fucking know about that. Like I don't buy like he should have fucking pressed on the gas harder. Like that's the bottom line in my opinion. So this comes back. I feel like we're almost talking circles now. Like kid said, I feel like he made some aggressive plays on the birdie holes, taking driver and stuff like that. And he just didn't execute. There's well, a difference. Maybe he between... didn't have to do it on the birdie holes. He had to do it on the, on the non birdie holes. He had to fucking try to go and get birdies on holes like Cam Smith did on hard holes. And he just didn't do that. He stuck to the game I mean, plan. What's your evidence to say he wasn't trying to get birdies on those holes? where he left his fucking shots. In how proximity to the hole, executing the shot that he was trying to do. Like, how do you? And know if that was, done? if that was him executing the shot he was trying to do, then he wasn't playing aggressive enough. No, that's what he's saying. Is how do you know he didn't like he was that playing was to hit it swing. close, but he didn't execute the shot. Like he he wanted to do what he wanted he to be aggressive. To do, yeah, he wanted to do what he needed to do. Every sing, not... like every single green, and he had been playing that in, that way the entire round. Like. It didn't look like that. Like it didn't I said, look like I think he, was he made the business. right decisions, the smart conservative golf for the front nine. And then you have to choose your poison about how you handle the back, given the scenario. Like, does he continue to go on a five birdie streak given the situation? And like what you have your holes that you want to execute on coming up and it just doesn't pan out for you. Once again, yeah. he lift up like three times in the back and like burned two edges. Like it's, it's not like he was super far off from like putting this into a playoff. It just didn't drop his way. Well, like, not even a playoff. I mean, if, honestly, he, if he could have just had two, three, well, obviously if he had two sync that, that would have put it into a playoff, the, but the I mean, there was, there was three and number 17. Those are the two holes that he burned the edge on that should have gone in for both of them. And it just, if he had gotten a birdie on any of those, he wouldn't have gotten a par on 18. He would have birdied 18. So that would have been a birdie there. Like it, it yeah. just. <clears throat> yeah. The birdie on three hurt a lot. I feel like that took a lot of wind out of his sails and it was like, okay, just stick See, to I the game I, plan. I think it frustrated him, but I don't think that he, I think he was still in a good headspace. Well, he, he kept I, his game circle, online. He kept his game circle, online. I mean, he, yeah, we can circle back to Rory. Let's I, I cam deserves more praise than what we're giving him right now we're talking about just where rory went wrong like cam made a monumental i mean both camps one shot a fucking 64 the one shot a 65 like yeah. they went out and they fucking got it they went 30 and 31 on the back like 
Cam Young did everything that Rory was should have done on the back, right? Like he went yeah. aggressive. He did all the plays that we were talking about Rory doing that like were mistakes. And he would do the long ball on most of those and then execute it. Like well, he just did what Rory couldn't do on the back nine. And like, he that's was validation for the philosophy of what he was, should have been, what he was trying to do. Yeah. And yeah. he was playing so aggressive. I mean, I, at one point was like, wow, Cam Young is, is just, he's going to find his way out of, out of the top five. And then all of a sudden he just comes roaring back. I mean, the way that he played the last three holes was, I mean, was impressive. And I mean, his, his round was just about as impressive as, as Cam Smith's, but Cam Smith's putter, I, that was just unreal. I mean, you can't like it, he couldn't miss and it was wild. One thing on Cam Young is after his round on Saturday's post-round interview or one of them, he talked about how he won't be afraid to go and get it tomorrow and like essentially, you know, go after pins. And like, if he blows up, he blows up, but he's going to go and try to win the golf tournament, which is dope in my opinion. Yeah. You got nothing to fucking lose. Like, right. Well, especially, especially him. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have the accolades. Yeah. At, but you could also point. look at a guy in his position, you know, he's a rookie on tour. He could be trying to stack dollars, you know, like and play conservative and make sure he gets a top five or a top 10 or whatever it may be. And he's like, fuck that blow it to the wind. I'm going to go and try to win this thing, which is really dope in my opinion. I think he's going to be a fucking gangster on tour. I'm so excited to watch him. He seems like he's just, obviously he's got the crazy distance, but yeah. like four top twos it. as a rookie, like that takes some serious fucking gumption too. Like he, he's got what it takes this week. Uh, you know, yeah. today on, on Sunday, Cam shot a 64. Cam Young shot a 65 with two bogeys. Cam Smith had zero yeah. bogeys. Yeah, so that's yeah. what was wild about that round. And I, I actually was – I rewatched it last night with my uh, father-in-law. And, a, and, a and bad, I was talking about that. bogey on number one. Like he – what was that? Like a three-foot putt he missed on number one? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what was probably more impressive about that 65 than anything is that he had two bogeys on the card. I mean, that is – wild like wild i mean think think even if those just ended up pars then all the all of a sudden he's shooting a 63 i mean he would have the lowest round in in open history i mean he played tremendous golf yeah but i mean once again we're we're both cam were just vibing on each other they just match each other's momentum and they match each other's just aggression and you know, that's just sometimes how it goes. Like you're playing partners, just vibing. You're both vibing. Like it just raises your level. Like, well, and I think that, I think there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of love loss there with, with Victor and, and Rory. I think, I think if Victor could have been playing better, it would have, it would have really pumped Rory to, to turn it on more. And I mean, not to not making excuses for him. I, I mean, we can get but, into Victor here in a little bit. But I mean, like, you know, Victor, Victor kind of, he, he shit the bed pretty heavily, but I mean, once again, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of tailing off of Cam Smith who deserves a little bit of talking about because I, I mean, the dude, the dude deserved it. And I've been a big fan and I've said for a while that he's, he's going to come and get a major. I put money on him and he won me money. 
And Cam Smith won this major exactly how Spieth would have won this major. Like he put yeah. on a, a performance that you would have seen Spieth put on in his prime. He went out, he drained a lot of long ones. He got creative around the greens. He played out of some hairy shit on what was that? 14, 13 off to the right when he had a ball way below his feet, made a sensible play. It went a little bit long, but then that he was a, a beautiful putt. That from was that an, fucking shit to like that two was an inches. insane shot from yeah. the like fescue or long grass on the right. Like that was like the, the, to be able to get it to where he got it on that shot, I was, because I was thinking, man, this will be par at best. Like, how and do you how do you put it from there too? Like, you're well, just, yeah, you're chopping then, so much stuff up the fate. Like, it's not going to hit by this. It's not going to do a weird thing there. Like, it just cruises through that and then takes the slope perfectly. Like, he's a magician with the with the putter. Yeah, to to put the ball where he did on two. Well, there there were probably three holes that he was in a very, very, very less than ideal situation. And he had to, like, if he did not put it in a good spot, like he would not be where he was sitting on that leaderboard. And he did every single time, whether it was a couple inches or close enough in feet that he could drain the, the par putt to, to save it. I mean, it was, it was wild to watch because he just couldn't miss. And I was like every single one that dropped, I was just like, fuck yes, Cam. Like, dude, keep it going. This is, this is wild. It's wild. Uh, I want to make a little correction. I was talking about the shot on 15 from the grass on the right. Sorry. That was what, for some Mm -hmm. reason, that's what I was thinking of. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cam played, you know, aggressive in the right times he made the creative right decisions to play to the percentages and the moment where i thought he was letting rory back into it was 17 and he made the smart play that he didn't make on saturday to just put it off to the right he played the slope nicely and he gave himself a 10 footer to stay alive and he's been draining 10 footers and he just did it uh, you know the saturday cam would have tried to flop it over the bunker hit on the backside and trundle it down to the hole and he would have probably gone in the bunker onto the road hole and he would have bogeyed. Like, yeah, that, that play. was, that was the turning. Those, point. those, like that the, was the turning, but those two, yeah. those two putts yeah. made, made that entire round for him. And that, that is what solidified what he did for that entire round was those two plays right there. That's what half yeah. shut the door. Basically, that was when you're like, okay, this is just about over. And to me, I was like, damn, this is, this is almost it. And then Rory put it so fucking close on 17. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to do it finally. And yeah, brutal. But Cam Young also like incredible shot into 17. And then he doesn't make that putt either. Yeah. Holy shit. That was crazy. He could have been in a playoff at 20 under if he can make a fucking five footer on 17. I was shocked. They are always saying like this one's slow. Everyone's treating it like it's going to be fast because it's downhill, but this has been slow for everybody. And like they said, he left it like four inches short. Like, yeah, it's incredible how many different ways this course, even though it's been as, you know, as old as it is, it still manages to stay, you know, competitive with these guys. And with the low and with the relatively mild wind conditions, which is, you know, a testament to it as well. You know, it's not exactly how, they wrote it up you know these guys are definitely there's a lot of par three and a halfs out there with the technology now um but you know it 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 did 
it did what it had to do. It provided a, a you know an awesome an awesome tournament, one of my favorites in a long time. Um, we can go more into the course later, but uh, yeah, I, I I thought it did what it had to do. Um, even with the winning score being minus twenty, which you know going into this, you know I was saying minus eight. You know who knows what would have happened with if the winds got howling and stuff. I would love I would have loved to see that. That's I was pretty firm on that on the beginning. Still, Low still would have loved probably, to see that. Right, we probably think like six yeah. shots a day. Yeah, yeah, that six that would have across the the four days. Yeah, that would have been a 12, 13, 14. Either way, like um, with with the conditions and all of it, I, I I think the course stood up pretty well considering it 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 is you know one of the very first golf courses and we're still playing major championships at it. Um, does it still provide the test that it was designed to provide? Not exactly, but uh, it still provides a test, especially with the short game. Um, and it's still imagine what that you know, place would be like if they roll the ball back. Like it, yeah. brought, it brings everything back into play how it's supposed to on that course. Like it's that place would be fucking unbelievable if. Or they just say back. irons only. You know, no but woods, it, no but, woods out here. <laughs> or only, but, only if you actually have a wood. And you yeah, can play you can and use have actual you can woods, woods, but irons only. And that's what we're doing now. If you guys don't want to roll equipment back, the old course is just like the RNA is just like, yep, irons <laughs> only for this. this Maples and niblets, baby. Maples and niblets. <laughs> I mean, if the wind blows, though, this course still has what it takes to hold its own, right? Like, we don't think that it would be screwed if they had the right weather. It was just because they had great conditions. Now, listen, the the equipment can get better than it is now, and I would still be in the the camp of like we're going back to the old course forever regardless yeah like the score could be minus 30 you know i i want to see the old course it's it, it awesome. just depends like if people are able to pretty much just dartboard these massive greens like and doesn't matter what slope it's on and like they can stop it because there's just so much crazy spin with wherever the ball goes or whatever wedges do then like then it's just like they're they're obliterating my baby boy like i don't i don't want to see that <laughs> you don't like, want to see, I, I see on. putting up the test that it's supposed to but I, mm-hmm. I just think with the undulation that's on that's on those greens, like, I don't, uh, I mean, unless you're fucking molt controlling the ball, like, I don't, I don't think there's a, a period of time where equipment's going to get good enough that those greens are still not going to be a test. I mean, obviously, there are a couple guys that were able to dissect them. Um, I mean, no, but. No. The only thing they can really do is improve the ball. They've put restrictions on driver heads to 460 cc's. Most of the guys are playing a bladed type club, so that's not far off of what irons have been forever. And you know, if anything's going to change a bunch, it's going to be the ball. And right. you know, they limited what like wedge grooves can be and stuff like that too, so they can't get as much spin on it. But yeah, it's it's an advancement to the ball that could make it tremendously you know more but like what they're giving up in spin they're gaining from straightness off the tee to bomb it so right and at the same time like you know the ball technology since the pro v1 hasn't gotten that much better um so like even with like the tp5 five layered balls and all that like there isn't a huge difference between like the pro v1 and the tp5 you know like and right. that's coming from, you know, a gu- you know, a guy who doesn't compress the ball and doesn't necessarily know or know how it feels to, you know, hit a ball like they do. Obviously they have are way more in tune with that than I am, but that's just from, you know, 
my perspective. They're playing in the margins, seems like. right? They're playing at the edge of the bell curve for the least amount yeah. of impact starts happening. Can we? Let's. I think it's time to transition to the the Norwegian. Okay. Mm. Mm. <laughs> my wolf. Mm. I mean, I was torn on Sunday. Obviously, I was rooting for Rory, but I wanted the best for Javi. I definitely wanted a, a solo second for him, and just oh, brutal. That was I mean, that was rough to watch. He was there a really better venue for him to apart. perform than a place where you don't need to no. shoot? Really, there was. Right. This is literally the best venue for him to win a major championship. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't know. Ryan knows, but I don't know if Clint knows. Kid and I have a thousand dollar bet that Rory won't win another major. Um, and I will say, wait, you've got a thousand on that. I have a thousand that he won't win another major. Oh, that's this, a terrible this, bet. This bet was made when I was drunk at the armadillo den, just in my defense, a little bit. Okay, um, you should rescind it whenever you get a chance. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> and so, my point is that I, as so. I had already come Sunday morning. I had already given up the fact that like Rory could very well win this golf tournament and I could be out a thousand dollars. And I had been, I, and I was fine with that. I, it, in my eyes, it was worth the thousand dollars to see Rory win the major championship at the home of golf in the situation golf is in right now. I think it would have been an awesome, awesome major championship. Not to like say this wasn't an awesome major championship, but I was okay with that. Like, it well, was... it would have been amazing just with the whole live bullshit. Like, it just would have, it just would have been like table, cherry on let's top. Table live for right now. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it. That was what I was saying though. With all yeah, when I no, said all I, the stuff going on with golf. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it would have been cherry on top just with with the current situation. But yeah, I, I don't the, give a fuck about talking about that. We don't. That have to was that was that what I was sure. alluding to. Anyways, yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah. So I had already put that over the shoulder i was like okay i could likely be out of it but obviously i was still you know rooting for victor to maybe pull something off rooting for cam to maybe do something crazy um but when rory and hovland were on the first tee box just the essence and the body language and uh, just everything hovland was emitting I did not vibe with it did not look like he was a guy that was ready to go out there and win a major championship. He seemed mundane. He seemed like really reserved. It didn't seem like the like uppity happy Victor. It seemed like the, you know, maybe the pressure was on him. He was feeling the moment too much or whatever it was. And then I, on number one, he came out and stuck it pretty close and I was like, okay, maybe we have something going, but it just seemed like he was sluggish, you know, just, not executing shots. He seemed really reserved. You know, he didn't seem like the victor uh, that we saw on Saturday, the guy that was going toe for toe with Rory McIlroy bombing drives drives out there, you know, you know, matching them shot for shot. Like he was taking clubs off of tees. I was second guessing and being like, why is he doing that? Like you, it just, it was, it was really bizarre. I thought he had a great opportunity. You know, like I said, I think maybe the, the, the situation, you know, he kind of started feeling the pressure, you know, this was his first top 10 in a major he's gotten. Um, and really the only time he's ever been in a position like this, you know, the only thing you can maybe compare it to is, is USAM win. Um, but yeah. Which he annihilated everybody in that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, as far as, 
is watching him kind of fall apart, if you will. It, it was a little upsetting um, because he does. I, I really enjoy his, for lack of a better word, swag on the course, if you will, um, because he he just seems like a fun a fun guy to be paired up with. Like he's got a good he's got a good vibe and he looks like he has fun on the course. And, you know, that's something that resonates with me pretty heavily because I think a lot of these guys, you know, have that, that just serious face on 24 seven and granted for some of them, they have to, you know, to, to keep that, to keep that drive, to keep that uh, competitive vibe alive. Um, But I I think he's just happy to be there a lot of, yeah, a hundred percent. And there's, and there's something to be said about the fact that you can still be happy and be a good golfer. You can still be happy and win a tournament. Like you can, you can do those things. Like there are people that, that operate differently. And I, and that's one thing that I really like about him is I feel like, you know, he carries a little bit of a different vibe than a lot of those guys do. And even though he wasn't playing the best golf on Sunday, I feel like, towards the end, he still kind of carried that. And I appreciated it, even though it was upsetting to watch him fall apart. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. He very much has that like puppy dog energy about him normally when he's on the golf course. He's like, what's up guys? We're having fun. We're playing a little golf. Like there's that just kind of like lighthearted exuberance about him. Um, And you're right, David, it kind of looked like the moment was too big. I mean, he'd never been, in that position that's a huge 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 position to be in to be standing next to rory on the tee at st andrews at the 150th open in a moment that feels like everything is going and rooting and like going for rory like it seems like this is the moment like every like he's the you know the king of golf right now like you know like he is the guy out front you know captaining the pga tour ship and outspoken about everything and you know it's the home of golf 150th open championship like i can definitely understand how that would get to someone and i'm not it's a faulting him compete for- against in the same group right it's like when the yeah. entire oh, for sure. crowd is rooting for the other guy like another reason why like a cam rory pairing at the end would have there there's a there's a tweet from tron that read cam needs to be, wave up vic to play with cam uh cam Young and drop back to play with rory that was like on like number 10 that's like, so good if they had actually done that like that yeah would have, one been amazing television and then two like what would have happened like if they actually yeah. like were matching energy back and forth and like i like, will say like i uh, before like saturday night and stuff i thought that Saturday round, because you know, the, the, the vibe was the same. Everyone was rooting for Rory the entire week and he handled Saturday so well. Like I was like, yeah, Javi is playing his balls off. He's playing, you know, some of the best golf out there right now. Like I said, he was matching Rory shot for shot for the most part, driving his dick off. And, you know, he just didn't rise to the occasion on Sunday. And I will say he did get some shitty fucking, luck with the driver off the tee to where like the ball was in the fairway and then it just rolls into the shitty stuff and he has the ball like below his feet in the long stuff and that's just part of st andrews like that's just what it is and that's gonna happen i mean it's like the same stimp as the greens and if it's dead completely it's faster than the greens like that's why they're hitting also like directly into the fescue is that like i already know i'm gonna be in this like it's just like hit it as far as i can on certain holes get angle and then just like 
roll the dice if I get stuck in a tuft or something like that. Yeah. And it. Yeah, but what's I mean, crazy is there were some amazing shots out of that this week too. I mean, yeah. Shane Lowry with that eagle. Um, yeah, two in a row. Yeah, well, yeah, he back to back eagled, but one of them was out of the shit. I mean, it it, it was it was directly out of the shit. Vic, and he, Vic and, had an eagle then, too on what was yeah. it Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but, it, you know, I mean that this course, I mean it. Obviously, depending depending on where you are, it can it can eat you alive. But it it just depends on how you how you come out of that, and I mean. Fucking! I'll tell you right now, Cam Smith had it figured out. If if Vic had won this one, he was stealing. He was a bandit. He got away with it. Like this is the closest ever come to it. Like this is kind of be expected. Like you need to get your reps in. Like this is the perfect venue for you. Like this would have been him stealing one. You'd be like, he may never win one again until he fixes his fucking chipping. Well, he'll still be in prime golf age when it comes back to St. Andrews if it's seven, eight years from now. Like he's a young gun. He'll be maybe Rory's age, if not a little younger. Um, so he's got yeah, another crack at it I, and he I might mean, be a very much more seasoned gentleman at that point. And a short game, Ryan might be much better. Well, uh, so I was going to say, would, hopefully by seven years, he's figured out how to chip well, a little I, bit. Yeah. And, and hopefully he doesn't just have to come back to St. Andrews to fucking have a chance at winning. <laughs> like, right. I mean, the dude, well, this is the just dude a, is a, a course a that's really golfer. suited for him. In well, no, it, for it, sure. is. Right now. it is. I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. What the fact that, his chipping is so bad is weird just because when you are at that level of golf, it seems like you would take the time to go ahead and kind of, yeah, but sometimes there's just pros that they are lacking in one of those fronts. I mean, look at Hideki, like he's notorious for being a horrible putter and he's made it work, you know, but Vic has just figured out a way to be so proficient with his driver and his irons that, you know, he can get away with, you know, if he's hitting a lot of greens, he doesn't have a chip, you know? So, right. Well, and they even, they, they do say that that stat can be a little bit misleading because a lot of these guys, you hit so many greens that a lot of times when you miss, you're in a weird situation. So I get that. Um, what Dave was alluding to that I, I wanted to kind of elaborate on, cause it felt like maybe we weren't understanding each other in that text. When I was talking about Victor and, and his chipping and his inability my whole thought process was just that if you can get yourself to dead last in a stat, I feel like your mentality and your approach to the game is off to where I didn't think he had what it takes right now. I wasn't saying specifically like, Oh, his chipping is going to come into a play. Mechanical. Like there's something yeah. going on psychologically that's preventing him from being able to execute. That right. exactly. You can't be I, at that level of golf and it be completely in your mechanics it's not possible i, I completely I think... understood exactly what you were saying okay. i just was firmly in my camp you know one because i'm bringing the aura of you know not losing a thousand dollars so i'm backing sure. my boy hobby yeah two um i really did believe what i was saying like i think if there's any course that he's going to get it done at it's going to be saint andrews he doesn't have to chip nearly as much as he would at any other course he can putt from off the greens pretty much from anywhere if he wanted to. And when he was chipping this week, he was chipping pretty damn well. So like I liked the odds. I liked, I liked him going into Sunday, but as soon as I saw him on that first tee box, I was like, Oh no, 
And then yeah. he and then he hit that shot in one, and I was like, okay, maybe maybe he's he's gonna do something. And it was just pretty mundane. And then he made that bogey, and it was just like, okay, yeah, Javi is Javi is checked out. And then there was a t a shot, uh, you know, you know, maybe it was six or seven or something. He took a took an iron off the tee where he had been hitting driver the rest of the week. And I'm just like, dude, what is going on right now, man? Like you, you got to go do something like, right. Like you, you literally drove the shit out of the ball with the best driver of the golf ball yesterday and was, it was matching them. And you're going to go and just play conservative when you you're trying to win a major championship. Like there's something about playing smart and then playing too conservative. And I felt like, that was what Javi was doing, but for sure. Well, and it's one of those, it's my favorite say, I say it a lot in golf is you got to dance with the girl that brought you like when Javi is winning and doing well is when he's hitting his driver really well. And to like totally change your strategy and your approach like that usually doesn't lead to success. And I don't think he fully changed it, but he definitely picked a different strategy on Sunday right. that he had been doing. And I don't, I didn't like that. So I think yeah. it comes back to the same thing that kind of what Rory was dealing with is that like they both were trying to choose their moments of when they were going to be aggressive and when they weren't, they were really trying to play into a conservative play. And I think it kind of does circle back to where he doesn't have a ton of confidence in his chipping is that the holes that he seemed like he was setting back on like four or five or whatever it was, it was because like the spots where you miss over there makes it where like putting is really difficult. Either there's a bunker in the way or there's so much undulation pre-green and on green that like you kind of need to clear some stuff or you have to do a bump and run. So like he's playing back where he can put spin on the ball because he's not confident in his chipping. So it's like, yeah, you can putt from a lot of places, but it may not always be the right play. I'll actually give a lot of credit to him on the back nine. It was like 13 or 14. He like was off on the fescue. He played out. He didn't make it up the green. Then he played an incredible chip, like played it up on the hill, but it break down. It was one where Cam also had to play it up like there, there and bump it on the, on the crest, like amazing chip from hobby. I was not expecting. And he got to like two and a half, like three feet and save the par. So I think a lot of it, whether he chooses to chip or not, like it's still part of his mind. It's like, if I get a bad bounce, I'm in this fescue area and I can't put it. Like I have to rely on my chipping. And so maybe he just removes that play laying back and then putting in a longer shot in that he can spin. He can land in the middle of the greens. And cause he's also like, I'm one back right now, or I'm tied for the lead right now. Like I don't need to force the issue. And then you start running out of holes and you start forcing the issue when you, you don't want to. And then you're caught with your pants down. Well, and he yeah. just, he just got caught up in a, a couple really bad lies that, that cost him strokes. <clears throat> I mean, which obviously put himself there, but, that that was just unfortunate because I I mean he really he really had a shot to to be in the mix for this whole thing and and to watch him fade away like that was it was it was a bummer and I don't I mean I don't even have a thing for Javi necessarily like I I like the guy I he's not my Wolfpack he's not on my team I don't I don't you know I've got no skin in the game with him but you want to see a guy play well and and when he hasn't had the opportunity well when he hasn't been in the position he was in on Sunday you want to see him step up and 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 take the reins and and do something big there and it was just at least a little bit of a bummer at least put together a decent round like he just he he didn't he didn't show any life you know like it it just kind of seemed like I said Dune from the beginning and, well, uh, he looked like he looked like Cam on on Saturday. 
is what he looked two like. Overs, two overs tough. Yeah, he, look, he looked he looked like yeah. Cam on Saturday. What was weird, you know. And shout uh, outs to Cam for overcoming that Saturday round and coming out and just balling out like a hundred percent, dude. I mean, so, to to get in the mindset to play so, so I mean, and it's weird to say like such like a bad round he and he was one over, but like to play like he did and just you know be in be in a state where there's no way you can be in a good spot where you're like, Oh wow. I led, I was, I was leading today and now I'm four strokes behind the leader. This is exactly the way that Cam Smith needed to win this tournament. We saw what it looks yeah. like when Cam Smith is sleeping on the lead at a, at a major, like he fucking imploded. And then you look at him when he was, le- he was leading at the players. He nearly gave it away. 18. He, ch- he, he tried through the layup into the water. Like Cam <laughs> yeah. Smith sitting on the lead at a major is not your guy. But if he's chasing no. from behind, like, put your money on him. Well, well and that like, was, that was just, I've said it a couple times. It was wild to fucking watch, to, to think like every single hole, I'm like, no way. There's no way he's going to do it again. Oh, oh, he just did it. Weird. Because there's no way he's going to do it on the next one. Oh, he did it again. Fucking weird. Like, dude was, on fire about, it was fucking wild RNA setting it up for chasing too like the i did not expect that sure. yeah. i did not expect that man it made Before it fun we... it made it fun they I mean, fucked I, themselves sure. man they fucked themselves because if they set it up harder i think it would have been roy mcclory it would have been roy all day oh yeah. without, Especially without with how his lag putting was like yeah. he lag putted yeah. from 156 feet to four inches <laughs> yeah and you know like, that, his that that's was the storyline they wanted that is the storyline yeah, they want. There's no question. And fucking yeah. Uh, props to them. Props to them because I, that's what I was wanting. They got respect for the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> but can all right. This is where I'll transition to opening a can of worms a bit here because like they played it for the love of the game. They set it up for chasers, and their winner is likely going to defect to live. Like the last Crazy. thing that they want, the reigning open champion, the reigning players champion, the PJ Tours crown jewel. He should have waited to, to sign that contract, man. You could have gotten a lot more after this win. 90 million is not a small amount. So pretty, the last number, I saw it. 110 somewhere. Players though. champion no, he, and the DJ open champion what, golfer of the DJ year. got what, 125? 125. 125. Yeah. yeah, he's not going over DJ. Whatever he yeah. could have gotten more. Well, He's Bryson, Bryson too. got a hundred, and Bryson. I mean, I guess Bryson, Bryson has a big following. Hey. Well, he yeah, does. I was gonna say they gave Phil Mickelson two hundred million. So yeah, it's, which is it's not all just about skill set, which is but. fucking wild. But. I- I mean, they, they but either way, three hundred and fifty million, and he's likely taking it. I had heard four for Hideki. Yeah, he's dog. Got the Asian market, man. He's got the like, market, he's, the entire he's up market. There with Tiger Eyeballs, dog. Yeah. What? Yeah. And they're gonna be more of a global. T- they're gonna be more of a. I'm telling you, I heard four. Whenever they do stuff well, like in Jeddah and other places. I mean, that's where... a that's a tactical that's a tactical move solely because of the the audience that will come with him obviously and like and he's yeah. a goddamn good golfer like that's he's a, a master's, master's champion champion yeah yeah and that, that put another master's champion a green jacket on the fucking live tour yeah and just just for since we're on the topic so fucking abe answer t11 it's not a top 10 but this week abe answer t11 bryson day chambeau 
T8. You need T8. You need a top 10 to qualify next for next year's Open. Oh, I wasn't. I was just He's saying just in reference of playing well. Just playing, live, yeah. guy, live guys that did well for this. Yeah. And then uh, DJ, T6. So that's three guys from the Live Tour that essentially were top 10s. Abe Answer was a top 11. But, I mean, they're not irrelevant. You know, they're yeah. they're playing good golf. I'm not saying everyone on the tour, but they have good guys, and they're getting more. Um, Hedrick, Henrik Stenson, the goddamn captain of the European Ryder Cup team, is mo- more than likely going, as it seems. Um you know, no, he's probably going to get that's confirmed. You know, he's probably going to get his captaincy revoked. It was, it was revoked. It was, it's confirmed. Both those things are confirmed happened. Yeah. Okay. So that happened. Um, not only Cam Smith, it sounds like that a lot of Aussies are going Leishman, Adam after Scott, like, yeah, after the president's cup. Um, so there's going to be an Aussie team. Um, I, who knows about Jason day? You know they might they may may not like Jason Day. Uh, I don't know. Jason Day would almost <laughs> he seems like he would be a perfect prospect for go. this thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, but what's he uh, been doing? maybe he's got too much respect for the game. Anyways, uh, I just don't know. You if know, they're they're making a lot of moves. They're making noise. Um, it doesn't seem like Tiger's speech or press conference really changed any of this. Um, a lot of it probably was already in motion before that. Um, but you know, it, it, it is something, um, but yeah, uh, I I don't know if we want to go into like more live, like with the OWGR, the majors, all that, it really, it really comes down to the majors and the OWGR, which is the majors. Like they have four of the seats in, in the, on the board there or whatever. And then yeah, it's the RNA and the PGA. You would imagine Jay and uh, what's his name? Ke- Kelly or Perry or Keith Pelly, whatever his fucking name is. Yeah, something um, like that. But uh, it's the USGA as well, from, I'm pretty sure. It's USGA, PGA, Augusta, uh, RNA, PGA, European Tour. Um, and then there you have a floating wildcard seventh that's like, I think, some sort of like representative committee that like yeah. is the last spot. Either way, uh, my my opinion at this given moment is that they're going to have to figure something out with the OWGR and getting them points, whether that means that Liv has to go to 72 holes, but they're going to have to come to some common ground to get them world golf, world golf ranking points because you have, granted, you know, proof is in the pudding, this week's tournament guys that are relevant in our top players in the world. And if you're holding tournaments with these guys and there aren't, you know, ranking points being given out, then you can't call yourself an official world golf ranking. I don't care what you say or what, who's funding the tournament. There's golf being played at a tournament and you're not awarding points and there's high awarding guys there. Yeah, and you're not awarding points over political reasons and for protecting an entity that you think is deemed fit as the best Hold thing. Hold on, let me, let me jump in here. So let's first acknowledge that the rules and the standard of how you become an accredited, accredited tour isn't hidden behind a door. It's publicized of what you have to do to become a tour and have accreditation. I'm aware of that. I'm aware. So of just basically them acknowledging those things and then just trying to leapfrog and bypass the process with just shitloads of money and just poaching a bunch of players to then force their hand 
is not necessarily something that you have to cave to. Like I'm not saying there shouldn't be a waiting period or there shouldn't be common grounds met. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you're holding events and they, you have a handful or two handfuls of the best players in the world that there needs to be points awarded. I don't care if it takes a year or a year and a half or however long, like there needs to be something happen. Otherwise, like you're just not the official world golf rankings. I don't care what you say. But they're yeah, not they compliant with massive, the they system. They have to make massive concessions of how they do their events if they're going to form fit to the existing standards of what OWGR is set out to be. I think that everyone, they need- everyone else before them has had to oblige and, and cater themselves to. Like, that's the whole point. Like, right now, if you just bend to their will, then like, all right, let's start giving OWGR points to the Seminole Pro-Am and the McManus Pro-Am, and these things that have just as strong strength of fields that like aren't part of an accredited tour that have more in common with the actual way that you play golf with 72 holes than what they're currently doing. So like the point I don't being- disagree with anything you're saying. I am on board with everything you're saying. I understand and completely comprehend that. What I'm saying is that they can't be the official world golf ranking points any longer if they don't come to a common ground with them because they can change their name or do whatever they want and continue to give out whatever ranking points and do it with the PGA tour and the majors and whatever you want, but you can't call yourself the official go- world golf rankings because you have what, these what best players in the world. You? What is common ground to you? Is it just giving them points for what they're currently doing or them changing what they're, I don't think you should r- rule out different formats of golf. You can't, you can't rule out, Hey, this has to be the way this game is played. Like, College golf, 54 holes, a lot of time, match play. Like there are circumstances that I'm pretty sure they give world golf ranking out to 54 hole events. And they have, have you know, that the you Hero World Challenge. Position, that you earn your position into through a feeder system of some kind that you're not just pre-selected to be in these things that you don't let anyone else in. And that it's only 54 holes to get into it. Like the, the, the whole point of this being is that like, there has to be some point where they meet the rest of the golf standard right now of how they do their golf. I'm all for meeting a common ground as, it, as long as it is close to what everyone else is doing. And that there is a system that actually allows for fluidity in how they let people in. It's not just completely closed doors for an Yeah. Like tour. maybe the, the last guy from each team at the end of the year gets bumped out and then you let more guys in. I don't know. I, you know, we don't have to go into the weeds in that. All I'm saying is that there needs to be a middle ground het, met if you want to continue to be the official world golf rankings. And if they don't do that, then I don't think that they can officially claim to be that, that there's going to be an asterisk next, well, next to it. And with that being said, well, hold on. With that being said, I, I don't think that they, they shouldn't rule out different formats. Like obviously there is people that want to see something like this team team aspects you know i i think that there can be a middle ground head uh, met and yeah that's just that's just what i think i don't think that it need to be so hard in stone that it's 72 holes it has to be done this way like i understand that it's done this way right now but i think that there can be some form of common ground met if seven and if this is all politics aside. if it was 54 holes this week rory or hovland was winning that tournament Okay, I understand that, but they didn't go into the week knowing it was a 54-hole event. Like, if you're going into it knowing it's a 54-hole event, you might play differently or it might be a whole different scenario. It can't be like, 
well, if it was 50 or four holes this week, this person would have won. You can't do that. Like, that's, well, I mean, you but could, the, the, the but if you look at, you, if you're given enough, Jordan Speeth would, cool. Jordan Speeth would be a major, 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 major champion over and over and over if, if 54 holes was a thing. I mean, I, I think that there is something about 72 holes that just is a testament to true golf that, and I'm not you know, arguing that for the record, I'm not arguing that, that this format isn't good to find out who's the best golfer get week in week out. I'm just arguing that when you have that many of the elite players going somewhere no, and you and want, play- you want them to have a ranking. And I, I, I get that side of it. I think that there's, I think that there's, you know, we're talking, we're talking about common ground. Um, I think there's a couple different things like live. Uh, okay. If live is going to be its own thing, like, how are we just going to say, oh, well, it's just this, like kind of as kid was alluding to earlier, like it's just this 48 golfers. Like, how are we going to do that? Like, that's the most damning part of it is it's going to be a 14 to 15 event series next year with only 48 guys in it. Like how, like, look, we know the margins in golf are extremely thin. We see the no names that win all the time on the PGA tour against very difficult fields. You're removing a two thirds of that field at the least, but the mod, like, like the, the PGL is talking about doing the same thing. Like you can do that and make it work. They gave the examples, like you can do that and make it work. Like it's all, it all comes back to where the money's coming from and people don't align with that. Like if this was a different organization doing this, a lot more people would be backing it and trying to figure out a way that it would work. And the PGL pitched to the PGA tour, an actual feeder system that used the PGA tour to elevate to a hand selected group of events that were on top of the PGA tour that had actual meritocracy based ways of transitioning it. You didn't just pick these washed up guys to come do your league that get these world ranking points for baked out half fields. Yes, but maybe this is a way that they get to that point, right? They, they didn't want to do business with the Saudis. That's obvious, you know, for many, many reasons we could go into. And this is, you know, coming from the Saudis perspective, this is how they make themselves get into the position to maybe set something up like the PGL wants to do and force the hand of the PGA tour and you go after the guys that they're going after now, and then you get bigger fish like the Brookses, like the Brysons, like, you know, the Cam Smiths. And then they have to force the hand. They make them have to do something. That's, that's, that's their game plan. That's how they play ball. They play hardball. And that's, that's what they're doing. Like they can play all the hardball they want, but if they don't play by the fucking rules and they don't get to be in the game, like, I, that's, that's what I don't that's, understand why you keep saying. Hold on, give me two minutes. Give me two minutes. Just let me just say this. They have known the rules. They've been laid out like very clearly. Like kids said, there was no stone behind them, and they have decided we don't want to play by your rules. Like if you don't want to do that, then we don't owe you world ranking points. It doesn't matter who they have. If you're not compliant with the rules set up by the four majors that all of these guys still want to be able to play in then they need to be in a league that complies with those rules for those majors that they have set out. Like they don't say owe one them thing real quick. Yeah. Just yeah, because- yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree with everything you're saying. Like I've stated before, I understand that there's rules, but let's roll the clock forward. If they get who they have perspectively getting, and then let's say they get a few more big fish and there's 20 of the top 50 players, or let's say top 40 players in the world, 
on that tour. Do you think the official rule golfing rankings are going to be accurate? My thought process on that is right now, if you're saying that you want to join the live tour, you're saying, I don't care about my official world golf ranking and I don't care about where I stand in this. I want yeah, to go but get the paid whole image of the PGA tour, the USGA, the official world golf rankings are exactly that. And if you're claiming to be that, and then you have this whole group of people on a separate tour, you can't claim to be that anymore. That's just how it is. I'm sorry that that happened to you, but that's just how it is. You can't claim that you have these top 50 players in the world. And it's like, actually, well, have you seen these 20 other guys over here? Like, how come they're not involved in that? Yeah. Like, it's just, so they're I not that anymore. That presupposes in two years, let's say, when they eventually get their world ranking points, that that pretty interesting 14 event exhibition series maintains the form that they would need to be the top players in the world that 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 grind that you know if that they get if they get enough really good players it could potentially do that Where yeah but the, the but the other though? but the other side i agree of there isn't incentive like there isn't incentive to stay tuned up because you're guaranteed money and that's one of the best points that tiger made in his interview I agree with that entirely. I'm not saying that that isn't a thing. I'm just saying that like my whole point is what I've been alluding to the whole time. Like you can't claim to be something and not be able to back it. Right. Okay. But the, the other, the other side of like, I, I understand where you're coming from saying, okay, well, we've got, you know, the top, like out of all the top 20 guys, six of them are over it. At, at live right now so you know they're playing golf to say that they're not in the one world golf rankings blah 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 but how do you how do you put a value on what they're doing when they're only playing a 48 guy field they like, do they do official world golf rankings for events with less than 120 or whatever the standard of guys is there are events with less people i gave an example earlier to the uh, hero world challenge which originally um, didn't have owgr but they they met whatever the criteria was and as got a, awarded as, points right and i think a lot of people have a problem with that and also it's a one-off event not a 14 event series next year right i'm just saying they have that's just an example they have in the past given world golf ranking points there is a math equation to figure out these types of things. We have people going to fucking space. Like they can figure it out. They can come to a common ground to act like that I'm, isn't I'm a possibility. For that if we account for it. So 54 whole events, that's already 25% off strength of field. And then sure. you have one third, the amount of people that are actually in it. Let's go ahead and cut another 66% off of that strength of field. Good luck staying in the top 100. I'm just saying that there is a way to do it. Like to simply say that there isn't a way is bogus who's saying there like, isn't a way i'm just saying it seems like it's steadfast like you gotta meet these criteria and i understand that's the way it is now and it's people are official just... world golf rankings there's something that makes it official there is a set of and rules. i get it we're saying and my point is if basically people leave you can you can't be that anymore my point so, is that if people leave and no, they literally are the players the champion changing. the players champion and the open champion the 
championship champion golfer of the year. And if you win a major, you're exempt for five years. So they obviously think your game should stay relevant enough to play in is, the major championship. He is qualified for all of those. Unless they ban him, yeah. he is qualified for all those. Which he they very it. well could do. They very well could be like, hey, we're going to fucking red we can, flag these guys. We can have guys. an argument if it happens. You can't just say it's yeah. going to. I'm just saying it very mind. well could happen. People are talking about it. So like who, who people, just random people. You're not hearing it from the RNA or the USGA. You're not hearing it from these particular sources. Golf media people. though, people that we hear all these rumors of people leaving for the live tour and they come true. It's not like there isn't merit behind what they say. It's not like a random Joe off the street. Like it, it either way, like, yeah, I mean, I think you guys know my point. Like I just, think, I hear it's it's going to be divided and you can't claim to be something that you are right now whenever a ton of your really good guys are leaving and claim it's like they no longer exist these are the we, all we, the top guys now i understand your point I, i'm just wondering is the right thing to do to completely cave to basically someone buying a bunch of the top players and then creating a new format for themselves and then them just being let in like what is like do you feel like those kind of petulant rich kid demands should be just completely appeased. I don't know if you have a choice. Otherwise it could go a lot worse. What is a lot worse? What, what, yeah. What is that? What does that even, what does that even mean? I mean, you don't come to a common ground. They poach, you know, way more players than you would have wished. And your tour is something way less than it is. You're not allowed. And you're not allowing the best players in the world in, into in your the major championships. History, Dave. If the tour, if all the majors banned live players from being able to play in them and just people that are qualified in, live will die. I mean, that's, we'll, we'll see. That may very well be the case. I don't know. I'm just saying at my opinion, if, as it if, stands if, today. If these majors don't want, I, I don't think they'll ban Cam. I don't think they'll ban Phil. I don't think they'll ban these people that have earned their way in. But if they don't provide up avenues for them to, the other people to qualify for them other than open qualifiers, and they can't get enough people in there, I could see it not being able to sustain over time. And let's just take away Saudi's basically boredom if MBS is just like, fuck it, I'm not interested in this anymore. I got what I need out of it. But beside all of those particular pieces, like it's in the major's best interest in, in to, to, to prevent a foreign monarchy from buying the game of golf. No, There's no other example in sport of this taking place. Not a single one. So like I don't see. I mean, haven't they done similar stuff for like Formula One and soccer? Don't they own like the Premier League? They can cut those sponsorship deals whenever they want. It's not a foreign entity owning the tour, owning the thing that drives the 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 entire structure of the sport. Right. So, if the live was to die, if we just speak in theoreticals for a second. They're going to be around for think, at least five years. Okay, but like, do you they think they're coming back contracts. for their money? Do you think they're coming back for no. their money? No. No. You, first, you think firstly, they're just going to be like, they're just going to be like, are... oh, well, there's a billion dollars. It's gone. No big deal. I don't think that's shit to them. Like, they well, don't I mean, care I, about I, that. Firstly, they're not giving lump sums out to everybody. A lot of this is like, here's your contract. It's annualized over this period of time, or you earn it back without getting any on course earnings. We're guaranteeing this amount of money over a certain period of time. Also, what's to stop the Saudi government from just basically being like, yeah, I'm not going to pay you. I don't give a shit. What are you going to do? Like, 
Well, Quinn's thing was, are they going to come for the money like that they have already given is the way I took it. And I was saying, no, correct. they're not going to come. They're correct. not worried about a billion dollars or whatever it is. But that, my point is that it's not all out the door. It's not, they're not paying lump sums out to all these guys. They could easily just terminate the contracts and never yeah, pay but, them the other but, yeah, but as like a, as a fucking But it's guy very apparent plays- that at least 500 million is out there lump sum, like at least half a billion dollars is out there lump sum that is nothing and, and that's and that's get, three guys and that's three guys. guys like fucking charles barkley and fucking david Faraday, like big names outside of professional like golf players that are going to join this organization like they're gonna be in it for a pretty hot minute and we'll see how it plays out like can the pga tour sustain for five years and not and live not gain momentum like that we'll see that is kids you know do is you know like kid said like will it die out i don't know but it seems like after two events after two events we're already talking about some really big names in the game potentially going over there and some already have and this is two events in you know we're talking less than less than half a year you know. Look, I, I think in all likelihood, it's it's going to be around for a few years. Like, I think they have enough money. I mean, the biggest thing is like, is MBS going to care in three years still? Is he seeing the foreign investment that he wants to see? Is he able to kind of build up the business relationships to create an avenue for people to invest in the Middle East with them? Like, at the end of the day, he's a 36-year-old guy that like is just new to the job. That's just basically playing with a bunch of oil money and deciding on what he wants to do with it. And this is just his way of kind of like getting into that affluent marketplace with people and if it doesn't see the return that he wants to nothing to stop him from just terminating everything like it wouldn't be difficult i mean the return like how can you how can you expect a return in less than fucking five years with the amount of money they're throwing out there like it 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 seems crazy i like he's he's looking to sports wash that's all everyone fucking says sports wash sports wash sports wash like he they're looking to change the image like, it's not about the money. Like, he's not looking for a return. If he's looking for a return, that's fucking 20 years down the road when he's well, taken a, over the game There's a difference between – there's a. I will agree that a main priority is sports washing without question. But there's a difference between seeding long-term business relationships in an early stage, knowing that they're going to mature long-term with these places, and then terminating the avenues that they came to – came to be like if you built the relationship with these large corporations that you wanted to and you sign long contracts with your with your state like your nation state then they can terminate the golf league that built those to begin with but those business relationships last much longer well if he accomplishes bending the knee of the pga tour and they end up coming to common ground then a mission accomplished and all that's going to happen i mean similar to to what Rory kind of folded on, if you will, you know, when he was, when he was talking about it, the fact that it's going to force change on the PGA, I, I, I really do think is a good thing. Um, I, I think there What's is a, a elaborate little... on what type of change. Well, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be forced to, to kind of loosen their grip on, on a lot of things. I think I, and, I mean, who knows if this is, is going to be true, but well, okay. So, well, like if you listen to, uh, if you listen to a couple different podcasts, I remember Bryson talking about how, um, 
I mean, a PGA Tour, they they pretty much own you when when you're at a PGA event, they own you. Like you cannot go out and you can't do something for TaylorMade. You can't do Bryson something can't do his YouTube Cobra. videos. He you wants to do... do on the course. Like well, so, he he would like to be able to go out with his film crew on practice days or whatever and film and make YouTube money from that. But he can't do that because the PGA Tour owns his rights. That's what you're alluding to, right? I mean, that's an that's an example. But yeah. for for any of these guys, for them to not be able to go out and and even back their sponsors on that course because the PGA tour doesn't allow it is, is somewhat absurd in my opinion. I mean, for, for them to not be able to be like, Hey, Taylor made, you know, pays, pays a big check of mine. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do a Taylor made Instagram. And the fact that the PGA won't allow them to do that is is kind of crazy i mean if if this forces their hand to kind of open some different doors then i i think a little that could bit be... of what phil was saying originally not that he has merit in a lot of things but that's something that he brought up you know okay so, so. Here, well, here's a couple and this is this is this is small fries i mean it's like uh, i'm saying okay it's it's gonna force him to change i don't i don't think the PJ like has all these things that it needs to change, but I will say for them to monopolize a lot of the things that they do, I, I don't, I don't hate the fact that some doors will be opened if that becomes a thing. I mean, okay. I, I don't, okay. I don't think anybody needs a monopoly on anything. Okay. Let's, let's begin with control. So you were saying that they want to be able to control their likeness, control their image, be able to control what they do on and off the course at their discretion, have their own media rights. First thing, most sports leagues don't give media rights to their athletes. That's how they generate revenue for their TV products and sell advertising dollars that it's not diluted by a bunch of content. So they can have the prize purses high enough to actually pay these people, which is what they actually care about. The second thing is you went from being an independent contractor of the PGA Tour where you control your career's destiny. And then you go to a place where you sign away your rights for the next three and a half to five years to a place that can tell you whatever the fuck you want, they want you to do. And you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to say no to them. So like let's let's not play about this having control. It was all about the money. I think Clint was saying that he was liking the fact that this could potentially open doors for the guys on the PGA tour to have other avenues for them to, you know, potentially make money or support their sponsors or whatever it may be. I don't think he was saying that they should go to live for this, which is kind of what I feel like you're alluding to. Yeah. Which I don't think is what these guys that were complaining about that, whether it's Phil or if it's Bryson went to that place, signed these long-term contracts. That wasn't actually important to them. It was about the money in the end of it. Well, yeah, but make. that's not what Clint was saying. That's what my point was. That's not but why, Clint was I, saying. I mean, I, you're, you're impressing an ideology that doesn't exist right now in the marketplace. Nobody's actually standing behind that and actually making decisions for their career that supports it. They're going to a well, place like, where they've given up more control well, no, just to no, make like, more money. If, if players, actually... like, player, players want to go and do things like wild world, of, world of, wild world of golf with no laying up, and they've had issues in the past with the PGA, PGA Tour not being able to do certain things like that, and like I think guys should be able to go off the course and go do whatever they want to, you know, support their sponsors or whatever it may be or just to do something fun for a small mom and pop for lack of a better word 
like no laying up. Like they shouldn't be restricted in that regard. And I understand they sign contracts and like they should well know, like if you want to negotiate that contract, I'm sure it's up for negotiation. Like, uh, so I, I don't know. You own the tour that's setting these rules. You're a collective of players that decide the policy of this tour. If they actually wholesale bought into that ideology that Phil and these guys were talking about, they could have collectively made that change happen. But what's been told to them by the people that run the PGA Tour and they have the data back it is that when you dilute your product, it becomes less valuable to their advertising <laughs> partners that generate the purses that they receive. That, I also don't think it's system. that easy for them yeah, to NBA. just but, get together. And but we live in that. a we live in a different world, kid. We live in a very, very, very different world. And I can tell you right now that the young generation would be much, much, much more uh, affected, if you will, for for lack of a better word. I mean, there there's obviously a better word out Influence. there, but there it is. Um, by these guys being able to put out content. I mean, it would, it would bring in a younger I mean, crowd, Bryson which in turn perfect... would be, I mean, like, look at, look at the 20 to 35 year olds right now that are golfing. I mean, they are, it, it is, it is a bigger crowd than it's ever been hands down bigger crowd than it's ever been. And those guys are going to be more influenced by those guys than they, they are, are going to be from they, fucking Rolex they talk having about, a commercial because they're the they're the payday. I mean, it, it, it's just it's one of those things where I'm with you when you say, okay, Bryson and and uh, Phil were bitching about it, but look who look who sold out and went to the money. I get that, but the guys that aren't talking about it are still feeling it whether they want to fucking say something or not, they know that they were okay. Maybe they respect the tour enough that they're not going to bitch about it, but to say that they aren't bitching about it deep down is like, or at least feeling, you know, what it, what it's doing to them deep down, you know, who are we to say, who's anybody to and, say, we don't, we don't really know. And to your point, just a second ago, the, 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 whatever late twenties to mid thirties crowd that's getting into golf now pre or post COVID or while COVID or whatever it may be, they're not talking about tour golf. They're talking about guys on Instagram and stuff like Kyle Berkshire or Bryson DeChambeau hitting crazy drives at the Ryder cup, like the, the sports center clip type shit. Like they, they aren't in or tuned in to fucking pga tour golf like we are you know it, it it's a much different thing and that's that's where it's you know you know well where, where all, all those guys are play. free if any of them want to quit the tour and be a content creator they're free to do that like no one's telling them that they have to stay on the tour they're just saying that they have roles in their position and in order for the tour to stay as valuable as possible they have to have rules in place and my point I mean, earlier not, was to Clint. Like that he wasn't he he was just saying that he thinks it's good that those doors are potentially open from this, that those guys should be able to go do those types of things if they want to. Like it wasn't like directed towards like the guys that left, like saying that was no. a good reason no. to leave, you know, a hundred percent. And and yes, Ryan, I, I'm with you. 
of course these guys can leave the tour, but to, to sit here and, and say, Oh, well, we need to do it this way because that's the way it's been done for 50 years is fucking bullshit. It's and fucking that kind of goes back to my OWGR and, point too. Like just because it's done this way forever doesn't mean you can't fucking change a little bit and open up to a different fucking format potentially. I think what they would tell you, and this is total speculation, is that they're not doing it the way they're doing it because that's how they've always done it. They're doing it the way they're doing it because that's the way for them to make the most money for the tour <laughs> through their advertising. Always the returning decision by the players is that they prioritize making more money over the product time and time again. And that's all the decisions. It's short-term gains, short-term gains, bigger TV deals, committing more commercials, trying to, you know, centralize where professional which golf is the worst comes. thing for the people that are watching golf. Yes. There's no argument. Like, we already yeah. understand that the players aren't the right arbiters for the game, but that's the structure that's in place. And people complaining about trying to leave to create leverage to then change the PJ tour doesn't understand how it works because their TV contracts are dependent on strength of field. And if everyone defects to go somewhere else, the floor drops out from underneath them and all of a sudden the tour implodes. So it's not in the actual best interest of the PGA tour. Whenever someone says this, it's, it's, it's purely self-driven monetary reasons that's driving these people away. And I, I, I just don't believe anyone who says anything otherwise. Well, in all I don't if, disagree. If, if achieve, I don't disagree with that. If they I, achieve everything they actually want to happen, the PGA tour will become a shell of itself and the live tour will become the only thing that's <laughs> actually relevant quote unquote because the future tour will lose most of its funding i mean thank goodness they actually have that giant greedy hoard of money for a fucking you know storm like today right well and <clears throat> i don't disagree that every single person that has left and will leave has left for money i mean it's it's not really a question <laughs> i mean it, it doesn't make any sense otherwise I mean, other than maybe some of these guys are, are fed up with playing, you know, whatever, a hundred tournaments. Well, it's, it's uh, money. let's, let's say, let's say Wait. 50, let's say, let's say on a, on the low end, they're, they're tired of playing 30 tournaments a year or, you know, 40 tournaments a year and they want to play 10 to 15, you know, but it, it's, it's a hundred percent money. And Money can't buy everything, and there is something to it can be buy said. A fucking about. lot, apparently. Well, <laughs> if you're well, hold on. If you're apolitical and don't give a fuck about politics, and you're family first, like you want to provide, you know, generational wealth and make sure your kids' kids are set up. Like, if you're taking politics out of it, and you're a per type of person that you know that doesn't matter to you, you know, you're worried about your surroundings and your people, like then I understand why people do it. Like I Can we completely not paint understand. this as politics though? There's a difference between, but that's what it is. That's what it all boils down to. Let me, let me finish this. This is not the same as this person believes in different policy than me. This is someone who is taking foreign investment money from a terrorist state to a degree. This is essentially going to play for North Korea. Like it's not the same thing as going to play at a Trump course somewhere. We all get our thing. fucking oil from them, kid. Our country does business with them. Like you can boil it down however you fucking want to, but the world goes round because of Saudi Arabia. Like it, it, it is just part of life. Like if you want to turn like up, you were making zero dollars 
like at the PGA Tour. Your prize purses were going up by the fucking truckload year over year. I, I get that. And, and or, you know, this isn't a homeless man off the street that his life completely changed. Like these guys, yeah, but when you're talking about kids in college that are offered a big check and that Dude, can secure that wealth, point. those kids aren't getting on live tour. They're buying out the top hundred players in the world. They just those got the number one amateur getting... or something like that. They, 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 they grabbed one kid for a headline that probably won't be there when he doesn't pass. The you fucking just keep curator. saying things. And then I fucking say something else. And then it's like, okay, well, it's just this one guy, like they're doing it. Like it, like all those amateurs that they had in the first Venetarian pretty much gone because, because they've, got they've gotten bigger names. fish exactly when they get the rest of the big saying. fish of 48 that they need those, those little feel-good stories are not going to be there i'm just saying dude like it, it like i i understand your sentiment and listen i i share that sentiment like i don't want to see the pga tour go away like i i'm not trying to misconstrue that like I, it's just to a degree to, like, i play the, the, to a degree i'm playing devil's advocate because i feel like that's how the conversation needs to be held like, we can't just all be like, fuck that, you know, like it's, you know, this has to be this way. And that, Here, here's the difference, that, Dave, is that they've been approached twice to do the less immoral version of this with the PGL that would have had a feeder system that would have been built in place. And that collective group of players didn't actually lobby for that. Instead, each of them I don't individually know, defected to this particular I don't place. know if it's a collective group of players. I don't know if it's just Monaghan and some other guys that are making those decisions. Like apparently the meetings weren't even had. If you're not even going to a meeting or getting on a, a Zoom call or exchanging emails to even hear these people out, like you're not doing your job. Like you're not doing it well, at least. And it doesn't seem like a group of players got together and were like, hey, this is what these people are talking about doing. Do you guys have any interest in that? Like they're saying that you can make X amount of money It'd be the top 48 players in the world. There'd be a feeder system. I doubt that fucking happened. I fucking doubt that happened. And that's what should have happened. But they, they These could, guys they should were, have been brought they, they the option the regulatory, of that. They had the regulatory power to build into the framework of the actual way that they inherit the PGL to have bylaws in place that would institute that. They could have put those into place or just not had the deal happen. They could. The players were going to own half of it. They could have dictated the policy that would actually make the deal happen. I don't think that he was even brought to the players. Like, Rory I think they probably heard Rory brought it to the committee. And they said, our data doesn't point to that actually being the case. They can't actually provide that value. And we're not going to acknowledge it. They didn't even take a third party audit of those actual financials. And that's a, that's a fault on them. Like they should have, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, who was saying that like, we're going to stand behind and not press this any harder. Kisner. There was tons of people on that players board besides Rory. They're just saying like, yeah, we're just going to stand by this data. We're not going to press any harder. Well, that's news to me. I, I I didn't know any of that. So the whole point of this being is that it's easy to pull the feel good stories about some guy on the web.com tour, the corn fairy tour that was grinding. It's going to change his life. That's not going to actually happen for these people. They're going to get the big names that they want that are already filthy rich, that already have all the endorsements they ask. Like it's not actually changing anything. It's just the rich getting richer. I don't disagree with that. So I just, I just don't really care about that argument that much. Like it was great for the first event for a couple of kids that for that, that changed for, like I can empathize with someone, some of those people's decisions. I don't expect everyone to be a paragon of perfect empathy and moral behavior. Like that's just, it, it's not to be expected. The difference is that these guys already have inconceivable amounts of money. I think with this, we've kind of 
we've strewn a long way from this, but Clint, you had said that you thought that this would provide opportunities for the tour to change and the tour to get better. And I think the argument that kid and I were kind of making is that the players when presented with the option in the past had chose not to do that, to take the short-term money and the tour has kind of gotten itself stuck in this spot where I don't know that the live tour actually creates that many opportunities for the PGA to improve anything. Um, the only way to make their product better is to either completely redo the way that they present it or to bring a lot more money, which is going to make the, the actual presentation of the product way worse to the viewer. So I, and I don't know that that's what it sounds like they're doing. It sounds like they're ramping up all the purses, you know, who knows what fucking PGA tour broadcasting is going to look like in the next few years. It's honestly perfect strategy from live is that like, we put you in a situation where the only way to keep your existing players is to somehow pay them enough money that they'll still stick with you, take less, but get appeased more because of it. But by doing so we've crippled your product and you have no way to actually pay this long-term and it's eventually going to kill you because we're cutting your legs out from underneath. And we're streaming on YouTube with no commercials for free. Yeah. Like I said, I've said this on a previous pod. It's pretty hard to lose when you have essentially an infinite amount of money for the next few years to throw at this. Like yeah. nobody else has to play by the, no one else can play by those rules. They're not in the same marketplace. Like they're and a that's, nonprofit that's organization. Where, that's that, where all the animosity comes from, right? It comes from them. It comes from the Saudi Arabian government, MBS. Like it comes from all that. Like I completely understand all that. It, it's just like, not acknowledging the actual situation at hand, like to try to pretend and put the curtain over it, like that they don't have endless money to do whatever the fuck they want and not try to come to a middle ground and get your product fucking smashed with all this legacy and shit. Like, don't you want it to keep going? Like, do you, do you truly think, do you truly think that they will, they're going to be able to ride it out. Do you think MBS is going to be like, ah, this is boring and go to something else? Is that, is that where you want to put your money? Like, is that really where you want to put your money? Are you being think, realistic about the situation? I think the question really is, is that like, what was the PGA tour besides going with PGL? Like, and if that's the answer, then fine. But like, what could the PGA tour could have done in the last two years when essentially this became a thing that the Saudis acted so quickly, just built this ship as it was sailing could have done to actually turn the massive cruise ship that is the PGA Tour, the nonprofit that it is run by a board of players, to adapt to something as agile as that with that amount of money? Like, you what could, could have, have been done? You could have at least announced a strategy. Like, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. This could be a potential future thing we do and delegate a certain amount of money here or there. But they decided to do none of that. They decided to not do anything and wait until last second when they're caught with their fucking pants down and they decided to do none of it. They fucking were like, ah, it's a bluff. It's a bluff. It's fine. We're going to be fine. And it wasn't a bluff. It's but not you, a bluff. Do you, think, do you think if they pitched what they're doing now, then people wouldn't have left? You would have had to present like this is a real thing. I think if like your bosses essentially are like, hey, the fucking Saudi Arabian government is talking about starting this league. You know, they're talking about doing this or that. This is our strategy. You know, we're going to try to get you guys more money. There's this this other other league, potentially the PGL, that is talking about doing this. You know, this is what we think is the best avenue to go down. And you should have presented that to the players at that time. 
Like be like, I'll this is real. P- I'll acknowledge the PGL would have been the only get out of jail free car that they had. Because what we're learning right now is even with the increased purses and the stuff that they're projecting, what they're saying they're going to be doing isn't stopping Cam Smith from leaving. Isn't stopping Hideki from leaving. Isn't le- stopping Adam Scott from leaving. Isn't stopping Leishman from leaving. Isn't stopping what's another. The only thing that's that stopping Cam Smith from leaving right now is him in his bedroom looking at that claret jug and all the names on that claret jug and just being like, dude, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm fucking a millionaire. I just won the open championship. My name is on this thing, and I I, w- I did the wrong thing. That's the have, only thing that'll qu- stop me. I have up. a quote for you guys right now. In August of 2021, as the FedEx Cup was wrapping, Cam had a chance to chase down and win the FedEx Cup. He was very close, and he was asked the question, how would $15 million change your life? And he said, I don't know. I'm pretty set. To be honest, I'm good. I'm good with what I've got. Like, yeah. here's the deal. None of it fucking matters. Like there's nothing the PGA tour could have done bar PGL. And that would still would have taken a long time to get off the ground because they have to go through the whole bureaucracy of a nonprofit, get together all the separate non the sponsorship money together in the finance. But you could have at least announced something and brought something to the players. So they could have latched on to something being like, okay, but, this is going to change instead of having nothing, right? Like people like Brooks or Bryson might've stuck around, especially Bryson. I think, you know, like, they could have stuck around and been like, okay, this is going to change. Like there is change in the future here. Like if it's the PGL, if it's this thing that they're doing now, we're already still seeing people vacate. They're taking the money. They're taking the bigger amount of money like it. And all they, they need 48. They need 48 of the top 75 guys, top 80 guys. They need half of the best players in the world over there. And then they're set. They bought out who they need to into long-term contracts and they crippled a PGA tour and there's nothing that PGA Tour could have done to mobilize enough money to stop these people, barring the PGL. And that still would have taken a bunch of red tape. That's not taking and into fact. Is- that's not taking into fact my point with, with more people wanting to stick around with the PGA Tour to see it out. Like that's not taking that into fact. Like, yeah, there might be people that still stay, but someone, you know, even Phil, who knows if they, they, they might have had the conversations. They why because they're getting Adam offered a hundred million dollars and That's there isn't point. that game the plan there isn't that game plan there is a game plan on paper now they've they've announced uh, the now game. now there is not two but years ago not a year and a half ago leaving now dave and they're going to continue to leave Let's i know that's the point i've been making this whole fucking time kid is that it's here it's now and they're not doing anything no, they are. They're, they're doing all that they can to mobilize money in this limited field. They're pumping all the purses up by 30% what they can, they can actually feasibly do. Everything that they're, they're letting out their entire they're crippling, tank they're right crippling themselves. The broadcast is going to be worse. The there's going to be a free broadcast. Like, but like what, what well, is what, if, if this is the plan that they can, this is the only plan that they can do. And people are still leaving now. That's to your point that there's nothing they could have done. Like or to my point, there's nothing that they could have done. You said they need to show a plan. They're showing a plan now and people are still leaving. Too little, too late is what I have to say. Like, I, I think, I think Jay everything's too little up. when you have the biggest oil provider in the world. And that's the fucking point I've been making, man. Like it is, you're fucking caught with your pants down. You have to do something. Do you want this fucking game to continue to have the legacy the major championships to continue to have the best players in the world. Like I, you know, like that's where we're at. That's where we're fucking at, man. And my point was just basically there's nothing the PJ tour could have done barring the PGL. 
And that just what they're the turnaround time on it just isn't fast enough to come back. And the, to this the right fact now. of the matter is that you have to say, barring the PGL, they didn't even have those conversations. Like they didn't do it. Right. But that's all I mean, hindsight. I like I don't, I don't actually, it's not hindsight. Like, it's not hindsight. The fucking PGL guy, like a year ago on No Lane Up podcast, said he fucking reached out many times trying to get in contact with Jay Monahan just to know no, no return email, nothing, not a goddamn thing. Not I a agree, goddamn I agree. thing. I, like I said, I keep saying barring PGL, and I agree that's the area where they fucked up. I don't think there was anything else they could have done besides that particular thing to incentivize. And if you had that maybe. laid out, if you had that laid out, or at least the option, at least talk to them, have a meeting, bring it to the players, explain what it is, explain an avenue that this could potentially work, and you could have guys that stick around longer, that don't go to this organization, that stick around for the legacy, that stick around for the major championships, and you would just work it in. Like, you, you, you fucking act as you go. This new thing came up. You fucking acted wrong. You acted wrong, and you have to fucking... You have to live with that. You have to live with what happened, and this is what's happening now, and you're, you're a fucking, I don't know, fucking tuna, and there's a goddamn great right. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So for, firstly, like I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I lay a lot of the blame at the feet of Jay Monahan, a lot of people, the executives of the PJ tour without question. Like there is a ton of blame that should be placed there. At the end of the day, we have to also acknowledge the player's own responsibility in this also not being acknowledged either. They had people on their committee bringing this to light, trying to get oxygen to it. The same guy who's standing but, up and carrying the water. You for, cannot hold, hold them the same. No, let me say something. You cannot hold them to the same standard as the executives. They're fucking touring, touring professionals that are concentrating on golf fucking 90% of the time. You can't expect them to take the merit or the seriousness of this other tour unless the guys that really are supposed to be doing that job and, and sniffing out stuff like that and bringing it to their attention and talking about how serious it is. And then they can actually have a real conversation. You're not expected to be a Kevin Kisner and be like, have you heard about this Saudi league? Have two, you heard about points. it? I think it's serious. Two points before you cut me off. Firstly, I said 60% lay at the blame of the executives and Jay Monahan, the majority of it. That's low. Se se secondly, you have players that agree to be on the pact, to, to take on additional responsibility, to foresee and shepherd the interest of your players on this tour going forward. You chose that responsibility. It's not all 215 PGA tour, tour card carrying members that are dictating this. They have pre-selected a committee that they've set aside more time to take the responsibility. Well, they're not sure taking their job serious. Forward. Yeah. And guess what? Like you take on responsibility and ownership of that accountability. That's what you signed up for. And the one guy who's been carrying the water for the PGA tour, despite all that, that brought the PGA to the PGL to the table is dealing with the most flack for all this. When he's the one who's been trying to save the actual PGA tour, shine the light on what was actually a path to combat this. And he's caught with his fucking pants down. Him being Rory. And do you know who changed his tone a shitload after the McManus is Rory fucking McElroy. He said that we need to come to and talk to this fucking tour. And then we need to come to a common ground. Pretty much what I've been saying this whole time. I shared the fucking video. I know, I know for a fact, Ryan saw it. Um, I'm yeah. aware of what he said. Oh, I know exactly what he said. Yeah. Rom Rom and, said it this week too. Like it's it's coming. Yeah, it's because they're happen. aware it's they're aware it's inevitable now. They're aware of that this is not going away, that these guys have been bought into long-term contracts. Apparently to but, you in a few years it could easily go away. The, the PGA doesn't Tour change can write it out. But here, here's the deal, Dave, is you're not catching the nuance here. In three years, it will destroy the PGA tour. 
They'll lose their TV deal because they won't have the strength of field. Rory is trying to bring the live into it because he knows that if it doesn't actually work that way, it's going to gut what they have. That's they, what they I've been be saying the whole time. Yeah. Rory, Rory is the, the, the first person that once this was presented with them, there was no way to now back out of this. He couldn't stop his other players from leaving when they were telling him either behind closed doors, when he was talking about Brooks, like you say one thing and then you do another, like imagine what's been told to Rory this entire time, like hold the line, hold the line. We've got this. And then people just keep just backing out the back door. Like you could be told one thing that we're stable. We can combat this. And he has to operate on the behalf of the actual, all the play, the touring players to protect his tour to the best of his ability. And now he's been backed down. He's in checkmate. There's nothing else he can do. Like you have to adapt. Yeah. And that's what I've been saying. Like, I don't not feel for the guy. Like he he's done everything he can. Like he can only do so much. Like, look, I, I think everyone on this call would probably agree. Like, there's probably like Jay's probably gonna get fired here. Like there's nothing else that can really have, like you didn't navigate this well enough. You didn't take the PGL meetings. Like you, like this is the reaction that you've yeah. had. You've been staunchly against like there, there needs to be a shakeup. The, at the end of the day though, is that your structure isn't suitable to actual quick reactions in the business sense. Like right. it's just too lethargic and there's nothing that you can do about that. Like, but you can still you bring a- the proposed stuff to the players. Like, I understand there's a committee. I think it should, in my opinion, I think they should all fucking know. If you're on the PGA nothing- tour and hold a card that you should all know of a potential thing, if it is serious enough, they're all informed. But like you said, they're professional golfers. And then the most of them are not paying attention. They're like, Oh, other people will handle it. Like JT's that's even where said it comes that on the, to where even- I think that, where it comes to JT where I think on the, the no ex- up podcast, like, I don't, I don't pay attention to that stuff. I trust that it's in the right hands. And like, I focus on playing good golf. I, 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 I can, and that's where the blame comes back to the execs, man. It's not 60%, man. It's fucking like 75%. Like they fucking dropped the ball. Yeah. But the, again, like, so Monahan needs to get fired. That doesn't save the tour. That doesn't oh. like it. You're st- <laughs> that just is like, Hey, you fucked us three years ago, so we're not going to keep paying you for that. Like that doesn't fix any of the problems. And that comes to the point where they're caught with their pants down and that's just where we're at. And it, I, I understand like clinging to what was, and I, I mean, I call me a pessimist, but I see the, what the writing in the wall. Like I see what, like, I don't see the PGA tour outlasting them for fucking three or five years. Oh, and here, here's another, oh, go ahead, Clint. You're about to start talking. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about like Jay Monahan needing to go, I mean, no, it may not cure the problem, but that doesn't change the fact that he needs to go. Like yeah, there should be a couple that, that there, there is sure. a, there is a chain of events that needs to happen to start in the right direction that's probably number one but i mean like is that going to fix everything of course it's not but you do have to get the train rolling somehow and that is probably stop number one yeah no arguments here yeah i think we're all in favor of a shake-up that's necessary whether or not any sort of shake-up can save it at this point is another question i think a lot of us too like how many of us thought this was inevitable 
before DJ defected. Like, I think a lot of people, given Riviera and what happened to Phil and with people changing their tune between DJ and Bryson, like, it felt like the players were coming back into a fold and, like, we're assuming it's easy and high to have, like, oh, they're all, like, lying. They're all lying. But, like, you take guys at their words, right? Like, you assume when these guys are saying, like, I have loyalty to the PGA Tour, that, like, that's how they operate. Like, we can weather this storm. Like, we can't guarantee it's actually, like, we didn't even know what the product for Live was going to be like. We didn't know if they were actually serious about this sort of stuff in like a big way. Like you had people bailing on it with Bryson and DJ. You had Phil's thing coming out. Like how many people a hundred percent could have bet on this thing actually happening with complete certainty when you're running a multi-billion dollar organization? I mean, no one could a hundred percent certain know that. Like that's a crazy thing to ask someone. Of course not. But like, I'm just saying like, I, I definitely thought there was a threat DJ went like, over there. I know we've had conversations, whether it's in car rides to golf courses or whatnot, about the PGL and the SGL at the time it was being called and like that it was a real thing that it could potentially be the future of golf is what we talked about with PGL and stuff like that. Like this was a thing like and it has been a thing like I definitely especially when the Saudis. You know, there was like a weird time where the Saudis might have been involved with PGA or the PGL for a little bit. I don't apparently that wasn't the case. But like as soon as the Saudis established themselves with the Asian tour and something else, like I definitely took notice and was like, OK, this is potentially something to worry about. Yeah, I not mean, that it's 100 percent going to happen was, like you asked. It, it was a 300 million dollar commitment to the Asian tour over a course of 10 years. So 30 million a year from the Saudis to the Asian tour that they probably could have backed out at any time. I think the biggest thing is, is that live doesn't work without the players going and that a lot, a large portion of the PGA tour members saw people that were once having talks with it, then come out and say bold face that like, no, I'm not going over there. So it's just kind of like, it's a difficult thing to navigate. Like it's, it's, it's easy in retrospect for sure. And like, it could, at the end of the day, like you your still job could have had the job. conversations and emails and meetings. Like it, you can't get past that fact. Like, I think we all agree on that question. I I think the smart executive would have taken the PGL calls, gotten a sense of their actual business model, actually got a third party audit of it, and then had in their back pocket for when they needed it. Didn't mean they had to actually act on it. Like that's what you don't have to do anything. You can hear people out. Like, you know, if they come with like real backing and, or claim to be like, you have to take meetings like that. That's just part of the fucking job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think, I think one of the most annoying things about this whole situation is just the amount of people that flip the script. I, I think, I think if there was all these guys that were like, no, no way I'm going to live, no way I'm doing this, no way I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden, guess who's the next guy that that the tabloids are bringing up i mean it's i think really annoying to see the amount of people who media before they need to be like they don't that that's a good point kid but i think a lot of it i think it's like this take probably will be hated but i think it's a lot easier said than done so you have all this pressure from saying the right thing on the media let, I don't, let me, I let don't me just finish for a second. That. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, let me let just finish him, this for let, a second. Let him, let him finish. So you have all this pressure from the media to say one thing and be the right guy, you know, to all the public. 
And then you have, you come home and you have a wife and kids and you have a conversation with your other, your, your significant other. And it's like, okay, I'm offered $90 million or $20 million, or what is this going to do for us? Do, do we care what the media has to say to us? Do we care that we're getting money from the Saudi Arabian government? Like, do we give a shit about politics? Like the U.S., our country does deals with them the you know like it's it's a lot that goes into stuff like this so like it 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 is a lot easier said than done i'm not doubting y'all's morals i'm not saying any of that i'm not saying you would take the money but there are people out there obviously that have had those conversations and have had the option of taking that money that made those real decisions and thought it was for their best interest for whatever those reasons are. Well, and there's no doubt. And I mean, not one of us can put ourselves in the shoes of somebody that is getting offered that type of money. We never know what we would do. We can say whatever we want. We never know what we would do. But the, the thing about the people that are getting offered the big money, they have already made more money than 99% of people on this earth will ever make. And that's I mean, a fair they, point. That's a very, 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 very fair point. I'm not disregarding that point. I it mean, that, that's I, not, not, to, not, not to say that, you know, having 10 times that amount wouldn't be amazing to have. And, and, you know, you can set up generational wealth and blah, 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 but they could likely set up generational wealth with what they've already made. All the people that are getting paid the amounts that they are to go over there, you know, DJ, for example, yes, you know, Tiger in his career made 121 million and some change on, uh, PGA tour winnings. DJ got offered 125 million, but DJ had also made between PGA and FedEx, $74 million. That's not even including endorsements. And that's not including endorsements. I mean, so, you know, these guys have money. Fuck you money. That is just like next level. Exactly. Exactly. Fuck you money. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's, a guy like Taylor Gooch does not have fuck you money. Correct. He does now. <laughs> and that's the right. point. Well, and, and that's, and that's the shoes that, you know, are, it's not, are hard it's not to the see. guys like DJ. It's the middle of the field guys that you have to pad the bottom of the 48 with. Yeah. But well, that's the guys get, that nobody gives get, a fuck about. That's not true, man. That's guys like Kisner. That's guys like Gooch. That's guys like Homa. That's nobody guys gives a like fuck about Gooch. Harry. Nobody. Harry, that's not true. I picked him on my team. I thought he was a good prospect. Dave, like you're I a golf, was, you're a golf sicko. You're you're a golf sicko. Yeah. Well, guys I like mean, Homa, guys like Harry Higgs taking the shirt off at the waste management. You know, there are guys out there that, that are marketable. Dope. There are guys out there that are marketable, marketable to the Gen Z people on Instagram, like Harry Higgs. Like there are guys out there that they get life changing money from this. Like well, it's they, not just we, DJs. Like to blanket it over, like it's all DJs. It, it, well, it's not I think accurate. I, it's not accurate. Okay, there well, are no, guys no, no, no. Like that. I, I think, like, I think DJ my point. Phil, I think my point to that, Dave, is more that those guys got offered money that was unreal, but they already had more money than they knew what to do with. So, like, 
what they what do you offered what, money that is unreal because that is the amount of money that needed to gain their attention to make this whole thing work and i don't right? and they i needed, don't disagree i'm not i'm not i'm not going to take away from that but what but what i'm saying is like okay you're you're taylor gooch's and and your higgs and you know those guys yeah sure they're getting offered 4 million 5 million 10 million 20 million whatever it is it's fine for those guys that decision makes sense it's it's the top level guys that it's it's a little bit harder to to grasp the concept of because yes they're getting offered stupid money but they already make stupid money so yeah, it's just can, like all right, all right, we, you can condemn them out. all you want yeah, you can just... condemn them all you want like i understand that perspective 100 percent. It, it's easy to cast stones from here like it it, tr it yeah. truly is so i mean it's easy to be high and mighty in this circumstance because you're not in the position and, and i'm not well, i understand I, I just we're cyclical at this point it's the same point over and over i would rather ask i think a more nuanced question now going forward and because we're all talking about def you know defections and what you know what this is doing to the pj tour but like going forward are you optimistic about professional golf and its place in culture and competition for the sport of professional golf. What is your general take on its future? I'll pop in. Um, I think that professional golf is in the best place it's ever been ever. And I think we could likely thank COVID for that. Um, I think that COVID probably created more new golfers than anything ever. And if you listen to the crowds at these tournaments, you can hear, I mean, all these young guys saying stupid shit after every shot. And I mean, they're just a bunch of fucking dumb, drunk, young, you know, 20 to to 45 hooligans. year old people They're hooligans yeah yeah and and but it's but it's great it's it is it is fucking taking golf to a new level i think that golf is in the best place it's ever been regardless of if we talk about this live bullshit or not i think that golf is in the best place it's ever been do, do now, you expect it to continue going up i don't i don't see how it won't because the thing, so I, I can use my, my workplace for an example. There are three guys that I work with that are, uh, 20, 22 and 23 years old that just, just now I, you know, I would bullshit and I would talk about golf and they just recently went and played golf. All three of them have since bought clubs, all three of them have since started leaving at about an hour early twice a week to get out on the golf course. And these dudes are fucking now talking nothing but golf. They're watching golf Instagrams. They're watching golf YouTube. Um, and, and I think that that is what is going to keep coming in the, in the, coming years is this younger professional golf clint so i was gonna say you're not professional golf and kind of like life said they were golf. talking about 
you know the professionals the instagrams all of it it sounded like but yeah i mean they're 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 balls deep in the in the guys that that have instagram presence because these kids care a lot about Gen instagram Z, and tiktok I mean, it's to the and point all the different shit but they you know when when the open was on they're they're walking up and they're watching the open i mean do they know the can they have the type of conversations that we can have absolutely not not even not even remotely close but that's that's almost a testament to where golf is right now in in a sense in the mix that there's a whole generation coming up that is going to keep driving golf that probably couldn't tell you shit about the last 20 years. And they may not even be able to tell you anything about what's going on currently, but guess what? They like to play and they're out there getting it. So and I can, I, mean, I can appreciate that perspective. Cause that was me fucking 2015, 16. Like I didn't know shit about golf. It was fun. I saw Ricky Fowler at the waste management fucking tournament before the Super Bowl. I was like, damn, that's actually kind of entertaining. And I was playing a little bit of golf and it got me into it. But I knew absolutely nothing. And look at me now. You know, I know absolutely nothing. You know? <laughs> but uh, I care about golf a lot more and I try to stay in tune. And I think I know a little bit, but, you know, it, you know, you can't take that for granted. Like, people are intrigued right now and it's through different avenues and uh you know alluding to that point earlier that you made clint i think you know i don't know i think guys should be able to you know blossom out into other avenues if they desire but yeah not trying to bring that back up but well and i mean i i think to kids to kids question, right? Where is golf? Where is it going? I, I think it's, I, 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 need to, I, feel I like think I need it's to reiterate this again. I was gonna where say. is professional golf going? How are you optimistic or pessimistic or how's your feelings toward the professional game of golf? I think recreational golf, we're confident because of COVID and a few other factors that like, that's going to continue to do relatively well for a while. Like as long as, greens fees don't get crazy and golf courses stay open and that the tee sheets stay full. Like that game's going to be great. The, the vast majority of golfers don't watch professional golf. I'm saying with the state of the world, and I'm not trying to drive anyone toward like a pessimistic take. I just feel like you're the points that you're touching on are very heavily focused on like recreational golf to a degree. So, right. touche. Touche. so I'm just wondering what I... your general sentiment right now is the, like, it's just coming to a head. They've had two live events all the guys that have defected haven't really missed that much PGA tour. It's still relatively con- con- you know, concentrated in terms of the media at the current state. It hasn't completely fractured yet. Like with where things are going and it becomes a 14 event series. And let's say they get 15 more big guys and it's like a fractured and split world of golf with two very different formats and how it's produced and how it's packaged and how it's consumed. Like with the PGA tour kind of being hollowed out to a degree with some of these guys, and potentially losing, you know, a great portion of their sponsorship money, not being able to create the prize purses anymore, or not being able to do the events in these different places that they're going to be in. Like, where do we see professional golf going? Do we feel like PGA Tour is going to bounce back? 
or is everyone going to defect to live and all of a sudden we have a concentrated 48 superstar league? Like, what are you positive or negative toward that? Like, that's what I'm more interested in talking about. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of, to me, it's a really, like, there's a big fucking storm cloud and we're just looking to see how big and dark it is. Like, I, I truly believe best case scenario is the majors agree to let the live guys play so that that stays alive and the PGA has enough time to scramble and kind of get their shit together. Cause the, the other option is just lawsuits and litigation and fights. And that's all we hear about. And that's all we talk about. Um, and the, the other option is PGA tour just dies and you go to that 48 guy league and who even knows what that looks like. Um, so the PGA to tour me, it's would gloomy. become the PGA tour would be essentially a become, feeder league. It would become the corn fairy tour. Yeah. Which would be, <clears throat> which would be a travesty. I, it, it I would think, be a I more, think... it would be a more stacked corn fairy tour. Like the, the right. events would be worth attending like that. They would put on like but that would, that would presuppose that they keep the prize purses where the livable wage for professional golfers on the PGA tour is worth it for guys. To well, it would be somewhere free. in the middle of that. And, uh, the, what the corn fairy tour are now, I, I would imagine it would be more than what the, they have. You'd have to keep the TV t- contracts and also presuppose that you would go well, that's, on the tour. That's hold, assuming hold that all that changes with, if they merged with the broadcast being mostly the fucking whatever, not maybe a change name. It's no longer the live tour. It's whatever. Do you you watch the corn fairy tour? No. Do I, do I watch the corn fairy tour? Does anybody watch the corn fairy tour? I'll watch Mm -hmm. corn fairy tour finals. And then a couple of things, if it's guys that I I follow on there, but not predominantly, but it's subsidized by the PGA tour. Like they send their coffers down there to be able to develop talent. Right. But, but my point to that is like, so out of, out of this, you know, you may watch a couple final days, Brian, you may, you may pop in here and there. Dave doesn't sound like you really pop onto corn. I mean, like, so we're, we're, it's not, it's not the corn fairy tour. It would be more than the corn fairy tour. It's like, imagine the tour championship, the FedEx cup championship at the end of the year, it's 30 guys. It would be 18 more than that. I understand that, but imagine that. And there's a lot of guys that are in that, that are really good. And you would be more likely to tune into that than the corn fairy tour. Like you have just, the 14 events. Like I'm not talking about live right now. I'm, t- I'm talking about if PGA turned into what, what we're talking about like uh, the, I know. the corn fairy I know that. that's my point like it wouldn't be a corn fairy event like your point seemed like it was hey no one no one is paying attention to the corn fairy tour it would be more than a corn fairy tour it would be all these guys that aren't in the tour championship for my example i know it's more than that but there's a lot of guys that aren't in that tournament at the end of the year that you're like paying attention to so Dave, yeah i, I just don't think that's my I sense. understand your point, Dave. My my question becomes: there is a certain threshold within their TV contract of strength of field they have to meet, and if that doesn't get hit, their TV contracts are voided. Which means those would lose. all change. Oh, oh, those oh, would oh, all oh. change with the new tour taking those those contracts up, like for those fourteen events, and then you would scatter 
the lower tour, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, it wouldn't be lower tour. It would be whatever. Dave, are you be. are you trying to say that Live like buys the PGA Tour? I don't know what would happen. I'm not trying to speculate what would happen. I'm just saying this. I don't think a, a nonprofit can sell itself to a a foreign investment fund. I don't even know if that's legal. No, I don't so either. I, I'm just. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The, the next thing of this kind of being is that like, if that TV contract folds and they have to run independently from live from, from that, from that capacity, Rory can't get paid what he, he should get paid, get paid. But even if he stays on principle, like most other guys are like, I I'm not getting paid enough money anymore to even like make a livable wage because nobody's like, we already know that the main reason that people tune into events is for probably the top five to 10 guys at that event. That's what drives the ratings. If they have, let's say 40 of the top 50 guys, all of the viewership then goes there and it becomes a super league of 48 guys because that's, it's already taken all the oxygen out of the room. And now you're in this position where it's a closed club that isn't based on meritocracy that doesn't incentivize any of the young up and coming kids to get better at golf because there's no incentive to actually be brought in based on meritocracy. It's just, well, I would be hoping that point. I would be hoping for something like the example I mentioned earlier, like the last guy on all the teams for the year relegation, gets I understand, out. but there's yeah. been no, there's been no precursor to that actually being the case. Yeah. But and this other- has all been speculation from everything I've said has been speculation. I'm just saying an Avenue that could potentially happen that can make all this potentially work out. So we're not losing everything in the game of golf and all the legacy of all of it. I don't want it to go away guys. Like I'm not but the my- bad guy here. I like, understand. But my question is, are you optimistic that's going to happen or are you pessimistic that it's not going to happen? I haven't, I don't see the I, it incentive. hasn't come to me. It hasn't come to me. Okay. Uh, well then, here, here, here's my response to that in particular is that like what drives ratings is that it's, 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 if that's what they the best players about, in the world, all playing against each other. And that's the best 48 in the world, all playing against each other. Or it's well, recognizable names in the sense that like there's a lot of players that aren't that good that drive a lot of ratings. And if you have a stranglehold in the people that people are paying attention to, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's always the same 48 guys. Well, but I, I think that <clears throat> there's no way in hell that 48 guys are going to, are going to hold, are going to hold light. I mean, what are you talking about? One guy held the light for fucking 20 years. I, I know that. And that's, and that's my point. Exactly. Is that's that why you always are going to have a fresh group coming in? Like there's no way that there's not going to be some sort of feeder deal. Like that's coming. That's fucking coming. Why? Why? Because they need that fresh face. They need the guy that fucking pops like that's the, how you golf was at its highest ratings when tiger was dominating it. It was just the same guy destroying the tour. You know how easy it'll be for a tiger, a new tiger to emerge when you have a 48 man field with 14 events. Like, but I don't one think it gets on a heater. You're beating the same 47 guys in a row. It's a lot easier to win. Yeah, but the I mean, the model is not that other tiger. Not, and there's the model is not that different from other leagues. Like you have rookies that come in like, Hey, if you don't have the game that meets up on this team, if you're the bottom of the barrel, you get kicked off and then we bring these new guys in that have qualified in whatever way and they come in and that's new, that's new fresh fish and they're in the tournaments. And if they do well, they do well. And then if you get out the next year, you're out and then boom, like but it's, this- you're talking about an entire feeder system. That's just clamoring for like one to two spots. Cause there's only 48 guys. Are you relegating the bottom half? Like how, no, how every team, we- every team, the bottom guy is gone. So we're talking about 
12, 14 12 spots, guys or 12 spots. was it 18 how many how many teams are 12 or 14 know? teams i don't i don't know whatever it's, it's got to be 12 if it's divisible by 48 yeah by 12 teams of four yeah so 12 so, teams 12, 12 spots, spots are open yeah but what i i think no matter what no matter what the majors cannot cut the live guys out because there's too many top seeds that's that my are point, that are that's in my point with the owgr that's my point with the majors that's my point with all of it there's that's there's too many guys exactly well that's Clint. the that's the only way to keep the tour alive is to cut them out if you don't cut them out then you might then the pj tour is dead and that's playing it that's playing a very very aggressive not long-term thinking fucking hand that's like Wait. hoping that the saudis don't have an on like they don't have all the money in the world that they can't do whatever they want Which with their money. Do. But yes, Ryan, like Ryan, that's the dumbest hand to play in the world. Ryan, you're it's saying, the only one they've got. But you're yeah, saying but sometimes you don't play. You fucking fold. Sometimes you fold, man. Hold on, Dave. Happening, Ryan. Dave, chill out for a second. Okay, sorry, Ryan. Sorry. Is that what is that what you're saying? Is that the like the majors need to cut out the live guys? Is that what you're saying? I don't know that that's what they need to do, but I think that's the only hand that the PJ tour has to have themselves a, a chance to, to stay alive and to stay think, reasonable. So that, you think that, that, you think that, that keeps them alive or do you think that that fucking puts them dead in the water? Okay. Well, I mean, obviously I see your point. You, you think it keeps them alive, but, but how does it also not put them dead? In the I heard, there were three people yelling when you started your question. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so what's your question? So obviously, <laughs> like you're saying that that's what keeps them alive, right? I'm um, saying that's their only chance. That's like their their little last glimmer, their last hope. And it might be that they're screwed anyway. Holding but, steadfast into their game plan essentially all along is legacy and history of the game and building that. And they're holding dead fast to the majors, and they're saying, None of you motherfuckers can come and play these fucking tournaments that matter everything to the sport. Matter, they are the most important thing to this fucking sport, and you cannot be a part of it. And then it turns into, it turns into, well, we're the best in the game over here, too. Like, is that really a major championship without us? So this is a cyclical we're, we're back to this, but they're not saying none of you motherfuckers can play in this. They're saying if you want to play in this, then you need to stay in our league. That's There's already guys that are gone. Can, can I, can I, hold on, let me, before you jump in Clint, cause I already see you gearing up a couple of things I want to touch on. The majors are not affiliated with PGA tour. Like they, they have no onus to protect the PGA tour. Right. What they want to protect is Ryan saying the, that's the last it, ditch effort. They're they're coming as the big parents to the PGA tour and being like, Oh son, what did you get yourself into this time? And they're like, Okay, we're gonna have to come in and save the day. 
So the way and they the might majors, not be they, able to. The way that the majors might think about this too is kind of what we just dis- discussed, which is like, how optimistic are you for a healthy <clears throat> professional game of golf with a bulk number of people to produce strong 150 man fields for their majors in the future without potentially protecting the PGA Tour? The the other side of this also comes down to right now we're still only talking about potentially 10 solid guys that have committed to the Saudi league. If the majors come out and say they ban everyone going forward, it might prevent a lot of guys from continuing to defect. And the the other side of it being is that it might stop the flow of it happening. And this is a blip in time. I mean, DJ's got three, four more years of competitive golf. The sooner, the better for that. If they're going to do that, the sooner, the better. Right. I I agree. But I'm just saying like there are cards to play that are extremely aggressive and extreme, whether they're the right ones or not, I'm not going to comment on, but there are ways that they could do scorched earth here that could potentially stop a lot more vacation of big guys. If they can, uh, if they care about legacy, yeah. yeah, they could pull up the nukes. They could, they could, yeah, they could but, get some devastating shit going on. Like if they're as pessimistic about professional golf as I am, like they might be con- contemplating it because they could see yeah. like a strong 150 man field might be hard to come by when there's not real meritocracy feeder system that actually incentivizes people to get better at golf and actually think that they can get onto the actual profitable league where they can make more money. So, kid, your your initial question was, you know, where where do we see actual professional golf going? I think that if the majors try to cut off those guys, that we will see a major divide, and and at that point, can you specify what major divide means? I think I think we'll see I think we'll see a situation where obviously the guys that are in live I mean you're you're talking about multiple 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 guys who have some of them who have multiple majors plenty of them have majors under their belt so they already have uh, you know the word, and I can't think of it right this second. Um, exemptions, exemptions, exemptions that you know allow them to play for for a, a particular major that they won. You potential know, lifetime walking, for potential for, walking billboard too. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so you're sitting here and telling them, oh, even though you did this and you create you you made this milestone now it doesn't mean shit and i think that that is a point where you are going to start to find a pendulum where you could see players that may be on your right side initially that you could swing to the opposite side by telling those guys they no longer have the ability to play in that tournament, even though they earned it before that. I think that there could be a swing in golf right there that whether they agree with that tour or not, you could start to sway the people that, that are not in that tour to say, you know what? Fuck that decision fuck the fact that you're going to take away the hard earned right that those people have to play that round to play 
that venue to play that championship okay, okay. for the years <laughs> okay. to come. <laughs> okay, thank you. Additive, um, additive, additive. <laughs> All right, Clint. Firstly, there's two ways that they could go with it. They could leave those exemptions in place and only let those guys play in them. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. Like you earned your way onto these particular spots and like we could let you continue to come back and just not the other participants of that particular league. They could do that card and that would still be quote unquote the majority of the best players in the world that are over there. And then the other side of it too is that like we live in a world with extremely short-term memory. Like how how big of a deal is it that you cut off six guys that were actually competitive at these things and then these things roll on for another three four years and once again the majority of the professional golfing viewing world only pays attention to four events so how important are these guys actually when they don't show up to them going into the future like who are, is still are, we, are those are those six guys past winners yeah 100 percent and they're walking billboards and it depends on the names they get you know, a name like Bryson is big, especially with the Gen Z shit we've mentioned. Like, How big is he if he can't show up in majors anymore? He showed up this week. My point is, is that like, if they ban them, like how long will the world remember them after two, three years of this? Yeah, it'll be a well, that, couple well, years. If they, they get enough attention, if they get golf. enough attention, there's going to be people watching that tour. Your, your nobody... boy, your boy, uh, kid is a great example right now because you've been just balls deep in brooks who doesn't even know how to show up to a major anymore and you know what Firstly, if he wasn't my boy like... he's your boy you fucking love him you i said <laughs> can someone defend me here he's, he's i have no fucking slander. clue what clint is talking you, about well, he might have been talking I've, about me he used to be in my wolf pack i no, no, rescinded no, no, no. him no, before no, no. all the no, lift shit we no, can put that no, on the table nope dave this has nothing to do with you i was talking about how dj was a better golfer than brooks and oh, kid defended it stuff through and through how does that through make him and my through boy? this was also like a year ago well, what does that, that have? What does that have to that do with it? Like, I mean, he I like he is really fucking good at golf. That's why he's a big name and a big catch for live. Like he is in is past still, years. Been, well, I, I would say I would say was really good at golf. Currently, he's not. Okay, but, and that's fine to say. <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine to say. But in the past, he has been a very but, very good golfer. But to kids' point, if you cut that guy out. Who's going to say something about it right now? I don't, I don't know. Like, my no, and, 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 like, and, 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 these guys out and that's, and I'm, I'm with years, you, kid. Who the fuck cares? Like, I'm with no, you. Firstly, I think, I think a lot more than you think, like Brooks is big on like part of my take with the barstool crowd. Like, I think Brooks has a much bigger name than you guys fucking think. Well, he, said, he is for now. <laughs> yeah. Short-term memories, guys. People fade real quickly out of fucking out of the spotlight. Like these guys come and go. Golf is a long professional game with a lot of history. Like this is just a blip in time. And the whole point of this being is that like we're golf sickos. Like we're paying attention to all these events. The majority of people clock in for the majors. That's just this how is, it goes. This is the optimistic kid right here. But earlier he had mentioned if like, if you have a bad of a uh, uh, future of golf perspective of me, for lack of better words, that wasn't what he said, but that was the sediment. Uh, sediment. So, <laughs> statement, whatever. Sentiment. 
it's fine. He no, he's, I, this fine. is a totally different. He's no, hold on, Ryan. Let being, me yeah, speak for off, yourself. But, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I know they're like the underlying tone for kid is like, he is not happy with the way the golf world is going right now. He doesn't have good feelings about it and he's being very optimistic right now. And that's fine. Like I, I, I like looking at the light at the tunnel, but like. I was elaborating what Ryan was saying about what the majors cards are is like, what could they do to prevent things from possibly decaying on a, on a mass level? Because like, like I said, I don't know if Liv is prepared to build a structure to accommodate the entire infrastructure of professional golf globally, because that's what you are at the tip of the pyramid. That's what your responsibility is. There's no and way like, they're prepared for that. It's not possible. They so don't know what that looks like. They don't, know, they don't know what that looks like. Endless money doesn't buy strategy, though. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Greg, Greg Norman has a good greg, a greg good norman feel. can easily be replaced like well, like that but, is what, not what something I'm that is, like, is there for sure like he, he is he is he is kind of leading the charge right now but even he doesn't really have a full grasp of what exactly it entails to run the golf world he can't do it and nobody in the fucking saudi government can do it there's the that's one thing that those guys don't money get. can buy talent though too if i'm gonna play yeah. devil's advocate you, you could buy like yeah. a fortune 500 ceo that can tighten that shit the fuck up well like that that that's very that's easy very, to do that's very true very and, and, it, and it could happen and it could happen in a second so yes currently those guys can't do it but they could buy somebody that could my point but that right now they can't start easily dealing with the, they start dealing with the law of large numbers though which becomes this and that's not the right way to use this metaphor but the the proper thing being is that like when you inherit the entire global infrastructure like it becomes a massive cruise ship that you have to then steer and this is like it's not just 48 guys anymore in a nimble little group of folks that you have to choreograph like to actually build a sustainable meritocracy-based feeder golf system for the entire globe leading to that point isn't as easy as doing what you're doing right now. And even a Fortune 500 amazing mind, maybe given 10 years, can maybe pull it off. But if you have other actors trying to prevent you, whether it's the majors of the PGA Tour, it becomes extremely difficult. And that's why I'm generally pretty pessimistic because we've already seen that people have a hard time steering cruise ships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to just get off this topic for a little bit, um, maybe end it. Rory with some hit light. it in one bunker for this tournament, and he hold out for would, eagle from it. Uh, let me just go to everyone's <laughs> favorite we're, thing. We're gonna take it back to the open. Yeah, I was going to do that. Uh, what is everyone's favorite thing that they saw this week that is the moment in the open that they're going to remember and take away from this week? You know, we never we we literally have not talking about the cat and I referred to him as the cat like I'm I'm a tiger guy, but I'm not. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's something that happened this week. Um, I, I, I did talk about him and it is my number one moment from the week, which is the hat tip. Yeah. To Rory. Yep. On 18. You're talking about on 18. Well, he, he was, was on 18. Rory 18, was on one. Going down one. Yeah. Just yeah. What that, what, what that means. What I yeah. think symbolically what that means. 
Yeah. The guy well, who's been the needle for golf for the last 25 years. Basically saying, Hey, you got it now, dude. It's yeah. your, it's, it's your game. I need this you to take it. I need, I need you to take over could what I've run just, for the last 20 years. Could be just even more weight on Rory's shoulders. He, he just, but, I mean, he got, he got all, like, he got the needle weight. He's like, you are now the needle. And then he has, <laughs> he, he has to go win the 150th open at the home of golf. And he just doesn't do it. And now, yeah, but, but he's like, still the fucking needle. I mean, granted, I'm like, not, I'm not saying well, he's not. Rory has had more pressure on his shoulders for like the game of golf than he's ever had before this year. And he's risen to the occasion. He's played the statistically the best golf at majors across the board. He's beaten 97.5% of the fields of the majors. and doesn't even have one of them, which is fucking insane. Well, what like, he's got, he's got a second, he's got a third, he's got a fifth and an eighth. What's he got this second, year? Solo second at the masters, eighth at the PGA T fifth at the U S open. And I would chalk it up to a third. second here. Well, like you could chalk it up to that, but it's not accurate, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, either way, a two, a three, a five and an eight, like in the majors in one season to be top five out of three, I mean, is, is stupid numbers. Like to say that he is not fucking holding the needle in golf would be, I mean, it would just be an inaccurate statement. I mean, and he's, it, it he has is way more to do it. with just his play too. Even when he wasn't playing the best golf, he was still the thing driving the ratings. Like, and I think it, it's just a lot of the intangibles of it too. And, you know, I'm of the mindset that this was a crucible moment for, for Roy and it either went one of two ways. This is a debilitating loss given everything that's going on. And it just takes all the gas out of the tank for him. Like just seeing and pessimistic where golf is going or it just has just put 180% of the tank full that he is now more motivated than ever. I don't know yeah. which one it is. I, I, I think, don't know. I honestly think it'll be that. And I hope it's that. I mean, I, I hope it's that for him because watching that interview was not, I, it was not a like dick in the dirt. I'm, just so low i i didn't see that that side of him i saw a damn it i played good golf maybe i could have played it a tad bit better but cam definitely played that golf that i could have played and he deserves this but i am fucking beating on the door and guess what i'm fucking coming the next time i've got the opportunity that's the that's the gist that i got out of that interview and I think what he'll bring to whether it's the next tournaments or, or definitely the next major. I mean, I've got I, a Rory, I've got a Rory quote right quick. Um, would you rather win the open at St. Andrews or the masters? And he said, right now, the masters, probably I'd like to win both. I'd like to just win the open at St. Andrews and win the masters eight months after that. If you could go back to back, that would be nice right now where I am in my career. I'd have to say the masters, which is the only thing that really is keeping me from being like, Rory wants a career grand slam. He's going to stay motivated. He's going to have that fire in his stomach to get it done. That's the only thing I'm like yeah. grabbing on hope to, because if I feel depleted and a little bit pessimistic about where the, where the world, world is going, I can only imagine Rory who's been fielding media for the last eight months, carrying water for the tour is just fucking exhausted and depleted. Yeah. Uh, tired, tired of hearing about live tired of fucking hearing about how he didn't finish 
where he wanted to. I mean, the dude is the dude is holding the weight of golf on his fucking shoulders right now. And that would be hard for anybody. And the yeah. fact that he's doing it well is impressive to say the least. No question. I mean, Rory uh, is by all means an impeccable person. I mean, every yeah. interview he gives, every thing he says, like there's no reason to not like the guy and not root for the guy. Like, uh, and like you said, Clint, he's holding the weight of the golf world on his shoulders and he's playing some of the best golf of his life. And that has to be accounted for. Like by all means, this is one of the best. I mean, it might not be, but from what I've watched, what it is, what I stated earlier, like 2015 golf, like by all means, one of the best major, you know, runs, without winning a fucking major I've seen. Um, but yeah, I would imagine it's up there. Right. So that was kids. That yeah. was kids. The, t- the For- tipping of the hat, the passing of the needle. Yeah. For me, I think the thing that I'll remember most from this was uh, the Cam Smith, I, I guess you'd call it an up and down, but it felt like a two putt on 17 when he yeah. he's looking up, he's got that line where he has to go around the bunker and the announcers are like, this is a damn near, like everything could go wrong here. And he put it to 10, 12 feet and then stone cold made that putt like that encapsulate encapsulates the way he played and how he went out and got this thing. Um, I think that's what would stick with me the most from this. That was my, I, identical thoughts on what stood out the most to me for this tournament it was one on that hole for him and i will i will not forget that lie looking at that bunker watching that putt watching the next putt drop i that that hole on 17 and watching the way he played it will forever be what I remember from that tournament. Um, I, I am in unison with you there, Ryan. What was it for me? My moment I will remember most from this open championship is when Rory hold out for Eagle from that bunker. Um, kid talked about it earlier. Um, the it was amazing into your brain. They replayed it back like 900 times in the broadcast. <laughs> How else could you remember the, anything else? The roar from that just is the epitome of golf. Like every single one of those people wanted him to win that golf tournament. And it was just sick. And the they showed a shot of DJ and Scheffler on 11 in front of it. And you just saw DJ look at the crowd, look at Rory, look at what was just happening. And he, he smiled and he was like loving it. But like, you could just tell that he, I don't know. Probably thought, damn, that would be cool if yeah. that was me that they it were was, doing that for. <laughs> no, just it, it was, just all of his de- decisions well, and probably and just probably just respect too. Like he will never have that. Who, he will never have that. It's like, just it's just it's just one of those yeah. moments where like 
you see it in their face that they know they were like a part of like a historical moment. And it would have been had he had he wanted even more. But like you just look around like holy shit, this is different. This is supremely different. Um but yeah, man, like the old course showed up. It's my favorite court, my favorite venue at my favorite major. It was an incredible week. It didn't end how I wanted it to go. It is a bit of a gut punch, but this has been a cathartic experience for me to be able to talk about it for sure. <laughs> and uh, while I'm not supremely optimistic for the professional game of golf going forward, it's moments and tournaments and weeks like this that make professional golf fun and worth viewing. And uh, I hope we keep getting those going forward and I hope it continues to be in a good place. But uh, yeah, it's bleak times. Majors are going to keep golf alive as of right now. Real quick, uh, <laughs> Ryan, Clint, you can leave whenever you want, but kid, I want to hear your take on professional golf going forward because we really only got through Clint. And oh, might be. No, that's fine. I understand wanting you to wrap it up. This has been a long ass pod. Anyone who has st- stuck through this, like, what the fuck <laughs> like hell yeah um but yeah kid i want to hear it yeah i mean i feel like i've kind of doled it out in different separate pieces but the way i see it is i don't trust anything that the players are saying anymore i think everyone's got a price which i don't like i, I understand um i think they're going to continue to see defections because the tour can't match that amount of money and I think the bureaucracy behind the OWGR situation is something difficult to just bypass and shortcut. So you're likely going to see a time where there's like this turbulence and animosity that's going on, but you're going to keep having these pro guys go over and you're going to see the strength of field numbers because whether they're high strength of field numbers right now, there's no one filling that vacancy in the short term. So the PGA tour doesn't meet their TV deal strength of field threshold numbers. They lose their funding from their advertising dollars. They can't do the purses that they can for their players without going into their coffers drastically. And all of a sudden these guys aren't incentivized to stay on the tour anymore. So they get the rest of the defections they need to go over to the Saudi league. They get a really stacked 48 and all of a sudden they have the insulated little bubble of guys that they want to drive a product that they feel is worthwhile while gutting the PJ tours ability to generate money to actually incentivize a true feeder system. And so you don't have any meritocracy anymore because no one's incentivized to actually go through that system And then you have such a concentrated 48-man field that there's not enough space to incentivize spots because it's basically just a jackpot or jeopardy or fucking the lottery if you ever actually get into it. At least with the PGA Tour with bigger fields, kids grew up feeling like I could be one of those 200 guys. It's a lot harder to tell a kid you can be one of those 48 guys and actually feel like you can put the dollars behind to go through the trenches of these different feeder systems that don't have the money anymore to actually make it work. So like can live in its current iteration become the top of the pyramid being independent from the PGA tour while somehow being a part of a global feeder system at the same time. I don't think it's possible. I think just given the structure of the PGA tour being the nonprofit, it is being driven by the, the, the players, again, the players that they know they're not going to be on that tour, they're not going to be for it. So it's like, these guys are taking a quick bag of money, knowing that they're burning the PGA tour behind them. That's the way I see it. I don't see it working out well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like you had a pretty, pretty decent amount of thought behind that. Um, Was it not alluding to that? 
I think we all feel that way. It's just what level of fucked do you think we're currently in? Like, I, I don't think that you disagree with anything he just said or have said anything different than that. I think you just are feeling more optimistic about the possibility of a feeder league. Um, like Kid said, there's not going to be any money behind it, so it'll be hard to keep that alive. I don't think um, there wouldn't be any money behind it. Like, there's going to be better players than are on the current feeder leagues. And there's only like 14 a, what, events what as it stands. To, what I was trying to say is that if they don't get those TV deals, all of those prize purses that we're trying to compete with the live aren't possible anymore. And if Rory stays based on principle, kudos to him. But most everyone else is going to be like, I have to sustainably continue to play professional golf. And so I have to go there now because there won't be an actual infrastructure to put on these events because the PGA tour can't afford it anymore. It's not cheap. It's not, yeah, it's not cheap to run a professional golf league. It takes a lot of money and infrastructure to run those events. And if they don't have well, the advertising that's, dollars that's anymore. That's when you come to the common ground and you, you know, are fluid and you collaborate with the people. Like that's the only option. Like but I you don't know if figure out a whole new structure. Nonprofit and it's hard to steer a cruise ship, which I said earlier. Like that's a lot easier said than done. And it's assuming a lot of legal things can be smoothed out or it's even possible given the structure of the PGA tour as it And that's all very fair. Like I'm not going to pretend I know all the legal relegations that go into all this. So that could very well be a very big tie up. So yeah, I'm that could, that could mess everything up. I'm not going to pretend to know any of that. And so not even with the legal side, let's just say you're the PGA and you decide, all right, we're going to, try and make this coexist you say you can go play your 14 live events but we want you to come back and play 10 events a year plus the majors how do you you would have to command so much revenue from those 10 events to make it worthwhile for these players to come back and do that and then how does that even work as far as a tv contract goes where now you're only really getting 10 events out of the year that have any kind of field. It, it seems like it would be really what, difficult to What coexist. I envisioned in my head is you have those 14 events and guys aren't going back to that other tour. They're not going back. It's just that tour and they're filling in spots on weeks that aren't live yeah. tour for lack of a better word. And they're playing those events and those are what's on TV. And you're filling in all those other weeks of the year, which is a lot of weeks. And you have those 14 events a year that are, for lack of a better phrase, like majors that you are looking forward to. And yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to look, I'm not trying to say this is the move. What's the incentive of someone tuning into the non-live events, the non-14 that they have a potential to get into that 48. They have Dave, those 12 you don't spots. Watch the corn fairy tour. Uh, he's talking about tuning in, tour. watching. Yeah, but that this is a whole different thing. It's not the same thing. You're talking about a tour of 200 people. This is a Dave, tour of take 48 people. 48 people on the OWGR right now. Would you tune into an event that has anyone below that as the best player in the, in the field? I'd have to look at the field. It's like the John Deere. You didn't tune into the John Deere, Dave. It's like the Barracuda. Did you watch the Barracuda this week? 
I mean, fair. I, uh, I mean, no, it didn't. It was up against a major. Did you too shade of that? Too shade of that comment. The hundred and fiftieth open at the fucking old course. It was up against. So no, Did I you didn't watch, watch the, the John Deere, Dave. I didn't watch the John Deere. That was that was not during the same week. The point being is that you're a golf sicko, and you didn't even watch that. They need to get everybody that's tuning into normal PGA Tour events to watch those events to be able to float a check big enough to keep these guys around. So we're essentially at the biggest crossroads golf has ever seen, potentially in history. Without and question. By far. And nobody knows what's going to happen. It right. doesn't seem good right. from, my, from my perspective that or I've been anybody's. For that and matter. I want to steadfast that I'm not behind it by any means. I just feel like it's for good conversation that you have that perspective. Yeah. Um, right. I and I I don't think anyone at Live truly believes that their their league is a good thing for the PGA Tour, or their league is going to make the PGA Tour a better product or a better thing. Like, I mean, any reasonable person cannot think that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know why the public would think it either. Like, or the players. Like, well, you have a lot of, again, as we alluded to, dumbass Generation Z people that are like, fuck yeah, free tournament. I'm going to go to that. That's sick. Live, hashtag live. And it's all over the fucking place. You know, it's just, it happens. Like, it doesn't have to make sense. It just fucking happens. It's good marketing. <laughs> they know they can get the, so, the Greg Norman throwing beers out and shit like that shit pops like waste management. When people are taking shirts off and fucking throwing beers that pops like that spreads like you don't have to like it. It's just what happens, you know, so, you know, it, it, it's just part of what life is now. And well, for the new is- gen- for the new generation of golf watchers of of people that are paying attention to the game that is a major driving factor the Wait, things that I, you just can mentioned I, can i just address this that this this short term social media memory like faction of people like those people aren't tuning in to watch 18 holes let alone 54 holes like no, these I'm, people don't I'm, care about the professional game of golf in a real sense no i'm i'm talking about the situations that dave's talking about like have you ever seen people sitting there throwing 500 beer cans onto the green. I'm talking about the people that are actually at these tournaments. I'm talking about the, you know, you know, the answer to that. No, but I, but, but what I'm saying is those, those guys are actually at these tournaments, whether they're watching it on TV or not, they're at at these fucking tournaments. They're at those tournaments hosted by the PGA tour in their backyard that won't be there in three years when they're depleted of all their funds, you know how much it costs to run the waste management. You know how much the waste management needs advertising dollars to incentivize and run that event. You're, you're and those big not, corporations not, are going to quickly go to talks to fucking live. And they're going to have a fucking waste management tournament. That's probably top of the priority. Let's take over the waste management. If you're trying to make money, like you were talking about earlier, that's a huge tournament to get. Cool. 
I'm just saying, like, there's so many the fucking ways this for... can go. No, I get it, but no, how, it's not. That, it's not, not good. good it's scenario. not good for the game of None golf. None of us are saying it's good for the game of golf. Uh, my my only point to to what Dave was talking about was the fact that there are a young crowd that are actually physically going to these tournaments, so they care. They care. No, and they, they care it's about a free party. Partying. They care <laughs> yeah. about partying at, at TPC Scotts. That has nothing to do with, but it's still caring, right? They're still, do they care about the professional going. game going on or do they care about partying? But it doesn't okay, matter. Okay, caring is do, caring, right? Okay, but like you so, can't be so like they delegated. About, they there. care about partying there, but to say that it's the, the, next, the next tournament, you think that they're not at their buddies like badass pool backyard partying watching the same thing you don't think that they're doing that and they i'm sure there was other parties they could have gone to that day these partiers are partiers i'm sure they could have gone and done something else like they're choosing to go to that tournament to party because they enjoy the essence of golf and being surrounded by it I had a I had a PGA tour event within 20 miles of my house and I personally did not go. But I've watched <laughs> every single fucking stop so far. So like to say four, that four, 14 you watched the Barracuda Clint? Four, 14, 14 cities that are gonna be <laughs> Clint happening. watched the Barracuda. That's new. Okay, Hell yeah, time, out. time out. Every tournament so far, 14, 14 cities, and then we're also assuming that they can reproduce TPC waste management open with forty-eight guys and a shotgun start that they cover in a three-hour stretch. Who's Let's be real. There's only party? fourteen tournaments that matter. Like we can count on two hands the tournaments that everyone pays. Yeah, but it's not. You can't get all these people partying in their backyards in their areas if you only have fourteen events. You're talking about tuning in. I'm talking about. They have 53 events a year across the U.S. that people are partying at for the PGA Tour. Like the the whole idea here is that like, yeah, cool. People that live in Scottsdale are going to have an event, but if there's only 14 across the entire globe, will they be going to Australia? They'll be going to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. They'll be partying hard there. Like the the whole idea of like this isn't fucking sustainable. Like, cool. They get a they get the one thing they can point to about being fun loving and partying, but like. That doesn't even work with their limited field. You're not getting 300,000 people coming to the, this event that lasts three and a half hours with 48 guys doing a shotgun start. So I took a pretty long piss and I think I maybe missed out on where this conversation headed. That's all subject to change with OWGR. The format can change. That's fluid in my eyes. It could but easily go to 72 holes. Like that's not like they could easily be like, yep, no longer fifty-four. It's seventy-two holes. But have it doesn't to change really the matter name. if you're if you're if you have forty-eight guys don't have to do on the shit. course at once, just, they'll finish the joke. whole day in four hours. How do you okay. put on an entire people, day's I event mean, with people showing up and going to it if it's last? People's that long? time frames and what they want to pay attention to, like they're not gonna be wanna be out in the sun any longer than four hours. Like guys, we they're, were just talking about TPC at Scottsdale. People are sitting up in that 16 grandstand. That the one place. Day. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we're getting into the fucking weeds. Like, I know it's yeah. been long. 
I feel like me and kid could sit here for two more hours. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, it's I'm a, not it's a disastrous in... place we're in right now. Like I, like I hate to have this pessimistic fucking attitude towards it, but I just, are you, are you pessimistic? I haven't heard a single thing that you're, you voiced as being like, you you've never laid out the things that can go wrong. All you've talked about is the things that you think. Because I think all people are talking about is the things that can go wrong. Like that's the driving home point about all this that everyone is focusing on is all the shit that can go wrong with all this. And I'm trying to fucking be like, Hey, let's come to a fucking middle ground. Let's fucking figure out a feeder system. Let's try to fucking get this shit going. Let's try to make golf better. Let's keep the fucking legacy. Let's keep the majors. Let's do all that. Like let's, you you know, who was also not thinking about all the ways that it could go wrong. Jay Monahan, when he wasn't trying to combat the fucking live league. If you don't, focus in on the shit that can go wrong you're not going to stop it from happening i'm not saying let's not address things that can go wrong along the way i'm not saying let's make you know uncalculated moves that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying like you know we know what all has happened up until this point and it doesn't seem like us four in this chat right now have the best feelings about what's happening with golf going forward. And I just feel like there has to be some sort of middle ground, man. That's the problem with just life in general. These days is fucking people in general, whether it's politics, whether it's fucking sport, whether it's anything like, yeah. Where's a middle ground where the PGA, but the issue here is like, where's a middle ground where the PGA tour survives? It's, muted. it's it's one or the other here like yeah is That's... is jay monahan gonna be behind whatever happens to the pga tour though what is what does that question what? mean no i mean like it is he going to be the one that drives it in whatever direction it needs to go like Until is he, he going fired, is he yeah. going is he going to get fired before it goes in the right direction or is he going to send it in the right direction I, I don't know, man. That's impossible to say, but everything that he's a done board of people that can hold him accountable. Like, I don't know how much people are actually going to be able to like, are going to expel him or not. Like, I don't know what his contingent around him sentiment of it is. It's not the same yeah. level. Of, um, I don't know. Accountability. Like the players clearly are pretty aloof. They're not going to address their conflicts. They'd rather just bail to the other league. Um, what a fucking year to have Netflix in there. Oh my god! When I didn't even that, think about that. Is that when is that next when year? Is that dro- dropping. They're they're filming this season. And it comes out twenty twenty three. I mean, is that not going to be the most drama filled fucking session and ever? They got some really good like lucky follows. Like they got a following of fucking Joel Damon, and Harry Higgs at the Waste Management. Two guys that took their fucking shirts off on sixteen, like behind the scenes with them. Like, I know they've had other, like, I think they, they were following. JT. So, like, a really good group at the PGA Championship. I can't remember what they it were was. on JT is that and the, is that Fitzpatrick. The only, is that the only ace in the hole that the PGA Tour has left? Is that, like, Netflix can boost <laughs> their credit, like, their ratings enough to keep them maybe. alive through this? Very well, maybe. Who fucking knows? Like, that's well, at least, that, that is, that is at least, like, the fucking... Into? 
slingshot in the back of the pocket, like last ditch effort. Well, and it's going to hit at the right time because I mean, more Maybe. guys are going to leave between now and then. So they're going to need it more than ever when that fucking thing drops. I mean, the, the whole thing here is that like, this thing that you just watched that thing that was like really interesting and like drama filled and all these sorts of things it's dead yeah, now it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> or it's on life support right now but yeah it, exactly but, but it doesn't have to be that's a like uh, that i think that's such a big part of what these people that run the board for these majors have to keep in mind like regardless of what the fucking live does like i don't think you can keep these guys out of it i don't think you can Clint, we're talking about the pga tour we're talking about the, not tour. the majors okay yeah. okay 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 sorry it, yeah sorry the pga tour is i was averted. Is, the, the majors yeah. will be fine regardless of what they decide it's just whether or not they want to humor or keep the pga tour alive i could say that in the long term they might not be great if they completely gut an actual meritocracy cream to the crop system of golfers. We might regress back to like Jack Nicholas playing dentists and plumbers, but. Okay. But so is the, so what, what's the. Ricochet shot at Jack. Well, no, there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not even ricochet, dude. That was dead aim. (laughs) (laughs) But what's the play. What's the play for PGA? Like what they wrote, they rescind that they are taking away all the memberships for the guys that went to live. Like they just say, Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Hey guys, y'all can play here whenever you want. Is that, that's, is that what happens? But they no, already that's left because point. they want to play less golf. Like they're not going to come over and play PGA tour events. If the live schedule goes to 14 events, these guys were playing barely 15 events as it was like, even if they reinstate their PGA tour cards are coming back from maybe the players and maybe Riv because it's Tiger's event. And like, yeah. that's it. What about Jack's event, the Memorial Kid? I, I, I heard like a pew earlier, like a ricochet <laughs> shot that when just he, missed. When, he, when he's that, not that alive anymore, are people showing up for that? I don't know. They showed uh, up for Arnie. Do they still have the milkshakes? No, Arnie's well, event no. has tanked in the strength no. of the no. so that, that, that was so the joke. That was the joke, kid. So is the Byron. I mean, I feel like I feel like a lot of these events go downhill once once some of the people die. Reasonable. That's a brutal reality. Just to, to just everything. Like, well, yeah. like as soon as they die, like their tournament just goes to shit. Like it's just <laughs> it's not what it used to be. Like, <laughs> like it uh, you could say it's lost its life. Like it, it, you could say, wow, that it, it, uh, wow, solid, oh, man. solid go there. <laughs> I think, uh, I think we should maybe wrap, I think we should maybe wrap this up. I think we're, uh, I think we're about three and a half hours deep now. It's been a hell of a conversation. I'll tell you that much. I'm glad we got into the live shit because we've been postponing that shit. Kid didn't want yeah. to talk about it for a while. Like we haven't really, I, dude. I literally have like notes for probably two and a half, three hours of like nuanced live takes that are Let's so get into it, dude. You and pod. me, kid. We can let Clinton fucking Ryan go. Let's fucking. I have, I have three thousand words on Phil, <laughs> dude. God. I pronounce. 
I can Wait, probably pronounce literally like you've world. you've you've literally written, written three thousand words on Phil in the whole. Wow. Whole can we thing. just wait? Hey, guys, what's the opening just, paragraph? I don't opening know. Paragraph. I don't want to. I don't. No, 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 no. We're what? not going to open that it? can of worms. But what I would like to do, I would, I would say, <laughs> let's just open up another pod to this on maybe I don't know Thursday or something. Well, my Zoom subscription expired tonight, so <laughs> that's how, that's that's how huge this pod is. Also, <laughs> that the expired uh... Zoom subscription might be the also the death blow <laughs> to our pod. How how much does the Zoom <laughs> subscription cost? Because I can Listen, probably dude, your boys look. Our TV on the contract over failed. Here. Our sponsors are pulling out. Yeah. Strength of field in our podcast is it's the toughest it. time in golf Dave, right now. Dave, are the you the time are golf. you the PGA right now? Are you dude, we're PGA? holding this ship together with duct tape MacGyver style, dude. Like we're 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 floating and we're fucking sailing, but you know, Dave's we're getting the PGA by. right now. Dave's I mean, the PGA. dude, that's a let's, perfect let's, analogy. Let's be completely honest here. What is worth covering next season if it's fractured and split? Like, are we just doing the majors for podcasts? We're fluid. Like, we barely get up. We're fluid. Like, what is that's the whole deal is that like what's getting you out of bed to watch golf what is like is it just four, is it just four events now like uh, absolutely it's the majors that's kind of damn near close to what it is now if we're being honest yeah, um like it's a, it's a bleak scene it is um, bleak. but i think it's fluid like the, i i know the answer sounds dumb but like you're tuning in like if something like uh, a perfect example kid like is the 3M that Matthew Wolf won. It's the most viewed podcast or listened to podcast we've ever had. And it was a tournament. Small, small sample size. <laughs> what I'm saying is like, it's a tournament that no one was really covering or listening to. And we just so happened to put a podcast out about it. And we were really hyped about it. And what I'm saying is like, we're going to watch tournaments. And as long as, you know, it's like, okay, we were really expecting to tune into this but we just so happened to because the storyline worked together and it just worked out like that and we watched saturday if it's a live tournament or whatever it is and it was compelling and it was like holy shit maybe we should talk about this i think it's going to be very fluid and we're just going to have to work with what we're fucking given that's what i think yeah i'm ready to get on the record and say i will not be watching any live I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, that's Let a stance you can take. Him. Like, let alone okay. podcasting about them. I mean, I get Going it. With my eyeballs and dollars here. I get it. I get it. It's not going to be. Uh... I already feel weird giving an oxygen on this podcast, but I at least take solace in knowing that no one's listening to it. That's fair. at this point, surely I'm I'm barely listening, and I'm sitting here. We're, we've gone. Hey, fuck gone you guys! Gone. This is a great podcast. I'm not saying that's a bad podcast. No, I'm we like three, you know three we have made in. more. We know we have made more episodes than most podcasts do. Most podcasts fucking die after like a few episodes, and we are nearly fucking to 50 episodes over whatever three years and i think that's fucking something to be fucking proud of 
Okay. Heart and hustle, baby. I, I Heart and hustle. At our podcast, I was just speaking a fact that if three and a half hours in, I've seen our download numbers and I see how they trail off after a certain <laughs> amount of time. I'm just saying, no one's listening to this. I'm listening. And if they are, if they are <laughs> it's, it's probably Clint. And thank you, right. Clint. <laughs> but yeah, I I find great solace and. Just chatting it up with you boys about something we all love and play. Um, and it's a great time. That's why I do it. I, it's cathartic to a degree. It, it is so. a good time. Isn't it wild that I have so much opinion on golf and I'm so bad at it? I'm but that's the great thing about it sports. every day, Clint. That's a great <laughs> thing about sports. You're not fucking a goddamn NBA player. You know, you're not going to be like, hey, let's go play 21. I'm going to ball you up, son. Like, but you probably pay attention to the NBA finals and shit. Like, that's the thing about sport. Like, you get invested. That's the best thing about it. It it distracts you from your everyday life, whether it's fucking bills or your shitty job or whatever it may be. And that's to put a bow on this whole fucking podcast. Like, that's the issue that is encompassing this whole thing with golf professional golf like you're trying to we're we're worried that's in danger where that and you're you know you're wanting to tune into your relief and your distraction from mundane life or whatever it may be and you just have this itch that's like fuck the goddamn saudis are fucking funding this whole goddamn thing you don't want that reality and yeah, that's just what where I mean, we're at the, right that's now. That's the one side of the coin. But I mean, the other side of the coin is that like everything else, the bottom falls out. And now only, let's say, 100 guys, and that's being generous, like stay in the game of professional golf on like a, a consistent level that you can count on. And like the bottom's falling out in this bitch. And like the thing that I gravitate toward that I find interesting about professional golf is potentially disappearing. And that's really sad. And I will, where I'll basically hold on hope for is that I'll still have four quality golf tournaments that are proper golf tournaments that lead to the legacy of these things and have something to kind of strive for that gets me up to watch it. Cause like I said, I'm just not interested in what they got going on. Maybe there'll be a live versus PGA tour fucking Ryder cup style fucking thing oh, down the road. Gosh. We may have to uh, go to like a four four person pick for our fantasy league in the in the upcoming. Time. I don't even really want to talk about it. It's yeah. it's it's gonna be such a fucking shit show to figure out how that would work. Like it, it, yeah. it it's that's bizarre. A, that's a ten hour podcast. In I itself. was gonna say that is for another pod entirely. Yeah. Sorry be- to sorry to bring that up. <laughs> Clint, do not bring headaches to us like that. (laughs) My bad. My bad. What I will say is with all this happening, it will probably bring up the ratings of the Ranger Cup, which is good for us, which is more or less a joke that I'm stoked to be doing that with you guys this weekend. But yeah, it's going to be a fucking blast. Cannot wait. I mean, sounds like you need to get your locker room and check, you motherfucker. Oh, I have a I have a section within that long document that I think 
suitable for right now. Ooh. And it preceded a bunch of live shit, professional golf game, the fractured pro game, rules and regulation, all the fun nuances of all that sort of shit, how it's an interesting web of very delicate house of cards. But the thing that I kind of rolled back to is that basically like, I'll wrap my long monologue here. You know, a thing that I love about golf is my personal connection to the game, the challenge and complexity of the game and the incredible, incredible way that the nature and the earth's ground is used to influence the game. The elicit, it elicits a type of artistry on the course between that and the course architecture. And it forms a creative expression out there for the players and the designers. On top of that time, I get to spend with my friends and my family outside to make the game so meaningful to me. Then much further down the list is the professional game. The professional game I consume mostly just to see what is capable of being done in golf at a very high level and following some of the personalities and storylines I find interesting. All of those things for the most part aren't going away with what's happening right now in golf. And I am not concerned about those things going away anytime, particularly soon. That's changed a little bit, but not a ton. Um, I, I expect that this still be the case with the hardest tests of the majors being the way that they are. Like they're going to continue setting up the courses to promote artistry and high levels of the game if those stick around. I am, however, concerned about all of this and implies aspects of the game I dislike. The, the opulence, the elitism, this continued ex exodus of the PGA Tour for the Saudi Golf League confirms a lot of people's preconceived notions of what the sport is, its institutions, and the players of golf and where and what it's all about. For a while there, I, while I knew it was this way, I did, not I, I did think there was progress being made. Maybe this is just a two steps forward, one step back scenario, but it just feels like a huge step back. The last thing I would want to note as I wrap things up is to zoom out and keep the big picture in perspective. These are multimillionaires that play a game for a living on one highly lucrative sports league for an even more lucrative one. The key distinction though, is that one is a nonprofit organization that has given billions to charity and has a track record of protecting and doing right by its membership. And another one that is funded by the same government that abetted the 9-11 attacks and was, has no obligation to do right by its membership. At the end of the day, this is still just a sports league and my love for the game is on course with my friends and that's not going away. And that was your valedictorian, Andrew Reed. <laughs> Very well said. Very well. Very well. If I wasn't as tired, I probably wouldn't have stumbled as much, but you know, that's where we're at. Three and a half. That's where ago. we're wrapping it folks. Thanks for tuning in. Well thought out and phrased paragraph by the boy the kid and um, i think that we could probably touch base on that on another uh because there was a lot a lot in there but well said kid and dave i'll let i'll let you close it out yeah thanks for tuning in folks we'll catch you next time